gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. From the Ancient One Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome to the Cube. (laughs) Well, hello everyone and welcome to episode 116 of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. I am your host, Dan. And I'm Brendan. And we are joined by our dear friend, Nick McKenna. Welcome back, man. Thanks, guys. It has been like an eon since you've been on the show. And we have Nick here because... We're talking gets. Yeah. And he is just passionate about these little creepy guys. Oh, yeah. Loves his Goblins get army. You know, gets and silverware go together. Anybody who's seen Nick's army knows what I'm talking about. It's impossible to miss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just really fun to have him back and be able to talk about this book, which is pretty scary sometimes when you look at what it can do. That's really good. Yeah. That's the long and short of it, is right now it, it's really good. You know, certainly when we get into discussing the, the meat and potatoes of it, I'll highlight some things of where we might expect to see some changes, because yeah. I don't know that they were misses or if the design points of it was intentional. There are a couple of things that are odd, and then I can tell you gets players, there's a likely reasonable expectation that some of these points are going to go up. Yeah. Some of this stuff for what it does and what the points are is pretty wild. (laughs) It's pretty lunatic like them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So good. Other than that, we're just going to catch up on some stuff. And it's been a few weeks. So just stuff in whispers and scriptorium and those kind of things. And that's about it. Let us move right on into whispers from the warp. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. We're going to start with Hobby Talk. And Nick, since you're the guest, what have you been up to? I've been painting a little bit of Age of Sigmar, sort of getting these gits, you know, up and finishing some stuff that I hadn't. And then I also got a Gazgul Thraka model, the 40k <laughs> one. so cool. For my birthday last year. Been working on painting that, trying to make him look pretty cool. I'm making his power claw look like it's molten and, like, melting. and Oh, yeah, awesome. I'm pretty excited. Well, for you guys sent pictures, man. You know that. Yeah, we'll do. So you got to. That sounds like a great project. And you had talked last night about maybe doing a war wagon or something. Up. Yeah, what you know, it? there's always dreams and things you look at. And yeah, the war buggies with the orcs in 40K look pretty cool. Side stretch. But. Yeah. Brendan, how about you? Getting ready for a lot of things. Yep. So I've been working on the secret Adepticon hobby. I had mm-hmm. some bad news for you yesterday, Dan, so yes. I tried to soften the blow with showing you the, <laughs> some the, progress. the project. <laughs> I'm really pleased with the progress I've made so far in them. Yeah. I think they look great. I'm really excited to show them off in about a month from time of recording to when it's actually going to be put on a display board and shown to everybody. I'm pretty excited. I was looking at the Grave Guard I did last year, and, mm. and those are conversions that everyone liked. I'm pretty proud of the paint scheme. I think these are even better. Well, in one of the units that you, it's actually a cross-system conversion, kind of a substitute of models, and it was yeah. just so cool looking. Oh my gosh, it looks so awesome. I'm pretty proud of the way that I was able to integrate really three different kits into what it is. So yeah. really looking forward to putting that all on the table. The progress for the display board, we had a meeting on Tuesday about it. That's looking cool. Oh. We got some cool conversions going from everyone else. The, we're meeting up this next weekend to standardize our basing and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get it all tied in, yeah, looking yep. good. 
So we had a shared paint recipe that one of our teammates developed and said, hey, this is how you paint every common feature in your army that everyone will have <sighs> some aspect of this. how this is going to look. And so everyone has some unique features to what it is that they're doing. I have some elements that no one else has, and you know the other player has some elements that no one else has, and, and you basically get to kind of freeform that within the color scheme yep. um, so that your thing can stand out but also be cohesive. Yep. I'm really thrilled with that. If we've got one player with some really cool conversions that I think really stand out for what are normally some... They're cool models to begin with, but are normally just lock stock standard and, and yeah. that's it. And we've got some real different stuff. Great. Super excited about that. You know, got to try and get that done and get ahead and start working on my Skaven because. Oh, yeah. It's coming up two months that's, now. That's the next thing I got to do. Eight weeks. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, might be a lot of storm fiends that I paint, I think. is the, <laughs> It's a very efficient use of time and paint. Yes. Yep. And points. So and points. Fill that roster up. Yeah. Yep. And cool. So you, oh man, I'm finally at the point where I am very close with my Sylvaneth. I got my first Tree Lord done. So I've got three big guys finished. I finished all three of my units of Tree Revs. So they're all done. And I'm going to talk a little bit later about a game I played with Dave, our yep. friend Dave Nordstrom. And that kind of is pushing me towards one other option. So I'll have those models to paint. There'll probably be about half a dozen of those. But I'm very, very close to being finished and having an army that I can kind of, you know, play around with. As we talked, you know, last night again, I'm just trying all kinds of different things, not worrying so much as I always do about what's cool, you know. And it's a little bit not me because usually I want to ha- have an army that's just fun to play. Mm-hmm. This one I'm a little bit more serious about, so I want to kind of limit my options and then figure out a list that I could just play the hell out of and try to get enough reps that I could get reasonably good at it. I thought your conversions so, were looking really cool, too. Oh, thank you. The little extra items that you put in, yeah. the bugs and stuff. I'm not as good as some people about just totally changing the model, but I do like to do those things around the edges. And, and Etsy's always a great place to go for stuff like that, oh, the yeah. little bits and bobs that you need. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm very happy about the progress on it. And I would expect within, probably by the time Adepticon comes around, I'll be finished with my Sylvaneth and ready to just... Ready to roll out for Rubicon. Yeah, it'll be nice, whatever I end up playing. So, yeah. Let's move on to pre-orders and stuff like that. So, all the pre-orders this week are 40k stuff. There's a Primaris box. This is all related to the new lore that's come out. Kind of the new, whatever it is, path that they're their story path they're going on. There is a Primaris box with all kinds of kit in it. There's also what they're calling boarding patrols, which are kind of like Vanguard boxes. But there's one for Chaos Marines and there's one for Nids. Those things were all pre-orders this week. But that's it. No real things in Sigmar, nothing there. Releases, well, we got 40K guard box. In fact, there's a lot of guard stuff. The Cadian bits, they got an actual sprue for bits. The Bane Blade, they're actually showing all seven versions of it, which is pretty cool to look at. I think it's just a reboxing, isn't it? Yeah, it is, exactly. And I'm sure that, I mean, I don't know this 100%, but I'm almost sure that you could build any version out of the box. I'm sure they put everything in there that you need. But it's just cool to see all the different versions on the screen and realize how versatile that hull is. Yeah, as long as you're good magnetizing, you can build all of them in the same kit. A lot of them, yeah. 
You need a lot of magnets, but you can do yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And then I kind of got a laugh out of the Rough Riders that they have coming out because they're literally guys with horses that are carrying these lances with explosive heads on them. And I'm like, look, I get it, but it's the 40th freaking millennium. You either get speeders or you get sentinels or you do something. If you want to play with real horses, you should be playing Sigmar. It's just Dan's opinion. They just look silly for a 40k army. If I can imagine using those models in a Sigmar army yeah. for cavalry units. They would look super cool. Yeah, you wouldn't have to do too much work. No, not at all. Maybe the weapons or something, but they just, they look awesome. But it's just weird. <laughs> look at it with all the other stuff. I mean, even the Admech have horses, but they're mechanical horses, you know? So it's just kind of weird look anyway this is where dan draws the line on yeah <laughs> maybe they're super biologically engineered horses or something. no when you look at the stats and stuff they're just like horses they're just regular horses yeah oh. yeah because if we're gonna step into the removal of suspension of disbelief in yeah. a fantasy game oh, right which is what yeah. this is yes of course <laughs> i would like to point out that the space wolf lander attack ship or whatever that thing is oh yeah cannot fly under any circumstance mm. there is <laughs> engineering wise there's no way there's no way <laughs> i can't accept it yes of course it's it's the one model i look at and i go absolutely not no <laughs> now the one model i thought was really really cool is there's a world eaters lord because they're coming out and they got their codex with mm. their primark and they have a world eaters lord on a jug which is just so cool in a juggernaut. And it looks neat. Really, really neat model. So if you're a World Eaters fan, Brendan, <laughs> you might want to paint that model up. It looks pretty neat. Anyway, that's the releases, pre-orders. So games played other than Sigmar. What else have you been playing? Any games, console stuff, any board games, anything else that you... Been yeah. doing, Nick? So I got Diablo 3 and Diablo 2 on the Switch on like uh, a deal. It was like $19. Yes. And I played season 27 of Diablo 3. I'd never played Diablo 3 before. Got super into it. Was uh, having a lot of fun. And then turned the game on the other day and the season ended. And I didn't really know what that meant beforehand. But all my gear is gone. Oh. All the like important stuff, like my mask that I had grinded for was gone, and I don't know if I'm gonna play season 28 because I was a bit salty about that. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> and I love that game. It's a fun I, game. I played almost every different whatever it is character. Okay, it's just so cool. I was a witch doctor. Yes, oh, it's so much fun. Witch yeah. doctor with gargantuan build. The story's just so cool and compelling. Mm-hmm. As you're going through playing the game, that it doesn't really matter what you play, I think. Yep. Yeah. That's it, a great game to choose. It was fun, but yeah, I definitely did not oh, like yeah. losing all my gear. <laughs> Just like stepping off a cliff without knowing what, what was there. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks. So for me, it's just been Civ 6. I've been fooling around with, they have these different mods that you can play. I talked, I think last time about the zombie apocalypse one, which is kind of cool. And now I started playing with one called Heroes and Legends, which is really pretty neat because there's like a dozen heroes that can show up that you can discover while you're kind of exploring the board. And each one of them has a certain thing. A lot of them are combat based, but there's a couple of them like I think his name was Anansi. And what he did was when you go to a hex that has like a luxury resource, like diamonds or whatever it is, you use one of his charges and it gives you a whole bunch of science and culture. Mm -hmm. So if you use all of his charges, it really fast advances your science and culture 
along the trees. Okay. And, and then Hercules is cool because you build different districts, like commercial district or one where you can build like libraries and universities or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And there's like five or six different ones. But usually, especially early in the game, it takes like 25 or 30 turns to build one of them. You just got to move Hercules onto it and he will like instantly build that com- that district for you and go, whoa, that is so cool. Anyway, it's a lot of fun and it was a neat version of the game. So, Brendan, how about you for other stuff? Yeah, so I finished Fire Emblem Three Houses. Okay, finally, yeah. That's pretty cool. They basically do like three back-to-back boss battles to end the game. Oh. The middle boss was the one that like I struggled with the most. Like it's like this cool like techie underground city and stuff like that and okay. so everyone's like super armored and it's set in, like it's like a fantasy setting but they got like guns and stuff and the final boss was tough too which, which was good i appreciated that but there was like no timer to it or anything so i just take your time divide conquer it's not an endless like reinforcements kind of mission thing so well, you talked about one of those last time you yeah had to deal with that that forces some level of acceleration you have to continue to push the pace in a mission like that and you have to keep moving to something but like if i'm threatened i can just retreat back heal everyone up go attack this next piece pull back mm. heal everyone up like i have the resources to do this so why wouldn't i so i finished that and then I'm on to Pokemon Scarlet, and it's been about 15 years since I've played a Pokemon game. Things have changed. A lot of things have changed in Pokemon. I was very upset Definitely to learn. Easier. Way easier. <laughs> I was very upset to learn that your rival no longer takes the Pokemon that you are weak to. They take the Pokemon that is weak to the Pokemon that you took as your oh, starter. That's weird. I'm so mad. So weren't you guys playing that last night? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he asked me, you know, what I was doing. And I was like, I was like, yeah, you know, I played the new Pokemon game. He's like, oh, how is it? I was like, I have to show you. Like, yeah. I can't explain this. Because I haven't played this one yet. I played Sword, but not Scarlet. Okay. Yeah. It's like a nice time killer, but, you know, you know it's, sure. it's whatever. We found, you know, a real clutch Magneton that helped us in a big battle that oh, yeah. was apparently just the right Pokemon to have at the right time. And back in my day, Pokemon games were tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, had to, you had to grind a lot, for sure. I yeah. think that you guys got to play that together. That's fun. Sigmar game. None. None. Yeah, None. None. I haven't played any for a bit. You can check out my game on the Dias Cast YouTube channel. Yep. I played Justin. I played Knights of the Empty Throne versus his Meat Fist in a game of Always Be Charging. <laughs> uh, I can tell you a lot of damage was done in that game. Go watch. <laughs> okay, cool. And then you had a, yeah, a game had a, a, while they, I was recording. You were you were playing in, you know. And it was really cool. I appreciate him coming out. We played down in our friend Antonio's new store, Warp Storm mm-hmm. Gaming, down in off of Layton Avenue. And he brought Slaves of Darkness, and I brought a Sylvaneth list. First time I've ever played my Sylvaneth. Incredibly instructive. Like, at the end of turn one, it was, oh, you idiot. Like, I could think of three things already that I should have done the other way. You know, it's like, ah, oh, why did I forget to do that? But by the end of the game, it came down to, at the top of four, a priority roll. Mm. And that's what determined who won the game. I felt really good about that. And, and again, it was just fun to try to work out all the moving parts inside the book. I'm just going to say Durthu is a beast. He's just crazy. So that was cool to use him for the first time as well. So, yeah, all good. Events. That's coming up. I had some good news. Last time I checked Youngbloods, we were up to eight, which was great. It's a lot more than last year. <laughs> Tyler, I would just want you to know I owe you a beer, buddy, because I actually got emails from two dads who had signed their kids up for Youngbloods after listening to Warhammer last week. So whatever you said, it got a couple more people signed up, and I really, really appreciate that. 
We have Spring Rubicon. We talked about that at the end of April. Up in West Bend, your Kansas City Open is still... All the Games Workshop Open tickets are on sale, not just the KCO. We got that. And when um, is the date for that again? Just remind that me. That is in June. Okay, so it's beginning of summer? Yep. All right, cool. It is June 1st through the 4th. And then we have a one-dayer now in Ooh. about two weeks at our friend Austin's house, Yep. which is very, very cool. Yeah, holding it for some locals who are having some kids. Yeah. <laughs> we had one last year for him, and then we've got some folks in the local area who are having kids of their own. I guess he's throwing these as, uh, we'll see you eventually, <laughs> <Yeah>. tournaments. <laughs> After the kids come, yeah. So that's really fun. I think that's about it. Major stuff, right? At least for the next few months. Yeah, at some point we're going to start hearing about, you know, the NashCon signups and Siege oh, World yeah. signups and sure. the things that come along with summer in the area. Yeah. All right, then I think that's it for all that stuff, and we are going to move on to Emperor Lies. Man, what are we, a team? No, 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 we're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. Brendan, what are your opening thoughts on this book? Huge improvement, right? The Gits were an army that, you know, Nick, you can certainly attest to, were in a tough place for a long time. Getting some of the sub-factions that they got in the Broken Realms helped them out quite a bit, Mm -hmm. but never really brought them even into the midfield, which is tough. This is a book that is squarely going to be, and we've already seen it, at top tables. The weekend prior to us recording, this book won two events in the first events that they were legal at. The power level is off the charts on some of these units. So I would temper some expectation with this because what we read to you now is likely not going to be what it is for very long. Now mm. the war scroll will remain the same very likely, but the points won't. All of them in my mind have war scrolls that are totally inbounds, right? You know, the, mm-hmm. everything that we see is like normal, I'll call it fair Warhammer. But when you look at the points, you know, you and I, Nick, we're talking about, you know, how many points some of these units cost. And I go, yeah, for 360 points, you get 72 wounds. And you go, oh my God, (laughs) that's madness. It's wounds that you can get back. The Loon Shrine is a key function of how this army works. So from an opposing player perspective, if you have the ability to go get the Loon Shrine early, it's almost worth the trade because they're going to be bringing on hundreds if not a thousand points worth of stuff through that loon shrine over the course of the game if done correctly it's an army that can kill it's an army that can control it's got durability aspects you have things in there that the light of the bad moon is transportable across the board so you have Mm -hmm. all these buffs that come off of it you know which we'll talk about in a little bit and you finally have control over it where gits was a very random army Mm -hmm. the variability has been reduced significantly and so therefore the effectiveness goes up in the competitive setting all your really trying to do is reduce variance you want to ensure and guarantee that things happen and obviously with old gets books that wasn't the theme remotely you couldn't plan on it and therefore you couldn't do anything with it with this you really do have the opportunity to plan and plan effectively nick what are you thinking as you look at this book just kind of went over it the first time i'm liking it you know brendan hit all the hard technical points but i mean just looking through it i like some of the buffs that some of the characters have gotten scragrot some of the wizards yeah just overall it's looking good i'm excited to play it i guess i wanted to talk about a disappointment because you guys talk about how exciting 
you know, this book is, and it is. It's great for Gitz players. I was just a little bit disappointed in the way spiders had been treated in here. They just seem to be kind of, they did all these things for the other factions, as it were, because this is kind of a book of four factions when you think about it. And the spiders are just kind of an afterthought. They feel like that. They're just on the side. Yeah, and, you know, the changes that they got or didn't get, they just kind of seem the same to me. And when I look at the War Scrolls and I look at the stats and I look at all the other things, they just feel like, okay, you know, if I really want to take a spider army, that's okay. But I don't know that I'm going to feel all the changes that this book has brought if I take spiders. I still think it's insane that <laughs> Scragrod is freaking 100 and some points, 160 points, you said, I think, or something. Yeah, That's he's, nuts. He's cheap. Yeah, yeah, it's like, no, you, you, that you got to change that. All right, folks, let's jump right in, and we're going to have Brendan talk to us about the Bad Moon's orbit, because the Bad Moon is so central, not just to the story, but to the game here. The Bad Moon got much more reliable and much more useful. You know, Nick, I think you can speak to a couple games where the moon, like, basically never came onto the board. Yep. <laughs> or it very quickly went right through the middle to the end. and yep. Two sixes in a row and you were done. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Not uh, much you can do there. So I can promise you now, you will always get to use the moon at least three times. Okay. Minimum. Guaranteed. Three out of five is not bad at all. What you do is, if any of you are Gloom Spike Gits, if you're both Gloom Spike Gits, you got to roll off to see where it starts. You pick one large table quarter of the battlefield for it to start. So the moon starts in that center, and it lights up that table quarter for the first battle round. At the start of the next battle round, so starting from the second and onwards, you roll a dice, and on a one to three, it doesn't move, and on a four up, it moves to the next location. There's no double jumping anymore, so it goes from the table quarter you picked to the middle to the next table quarter. So the goal, obviously, here is to get it to the middle and get it to stay there as as best you can. And there are ways to do that in the book. Yes, there are. And you gain a number of benefits based on what your keywords are for being under the light of the bad moon. There are things that hand out light of the bad moon nearby. The way that it moves and the manipulation of it is much more controlled because before on a one, it didn't move. On a two through five, it jumped one space. And on a six, it jumped two. Now it's a one to three, it stays. A four, it moves one. A four up, it moves one. And that's it. Yep. You can count on it getting to the middle, probably, either in the second or the third battle round on an odds basis, which is where you want it to be. Whereas before, no promises. In the first turn, you didn't even have it. Right? Yeah. Now you have it from the start if you're the only Gitz player in the quarter that you're going to be operating in, and that's going to be pretty good. Yeah. So Turn one used to be kind of rough trying to get everything going without the moon. Yeah. So, Nick, why don't you tell us what the benefits are from being in the light of the bad moon nowadays? Of course. So first we have frothing zealots. If a friendly moon clan unit receives the rally command while it is affected by the light of the bad moon, you can return one slain model to the unit that receives the command for each four up Ugh. instead of each six. So it's sick. Really giving you a lot of regeneration there. Yeah. Four up rally on keyword moon clan. You're going to be surprised at some of the units that have moon clan keywords. There's wigs. <laughs> and uh, and there's, uh, there's a heroic action we'll talk about in a little bit that makes this. Real, real extra good. Just nuts. And then the next one is Lunar Squigs. While Gloomspike 
gets squig units are affected by the light of the bad moon, they can attempt to charge even if they ran in the oh. same way. I like that one. Ugly. That's a good one. Well, wait till you find out that squigs are more reliable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next on the list, we have Moonlit Hide. Add one to the save rolls for attacks that target Gloom Spite gets Trogoth units while they are affected by the light of the bad moon. Sweetness. Pretty good. They're already pretty tough. Adding an extra save is going to be real good. Trogs all day. Yeah, they're up to four up base save, so four up with a built-in plus one. Ugh. It's not bad. Yeah. You no. can still spend all defense. You can still put Mystic Shield on things. I mean, you can get plus three to your saves. You can be ignoring Ren 2 on some already pretty tanky stuff. So. And some of your trolls, or half of them kind of, have a five up ward as well, built in. Yep. So, oof. A lot to chew through. Yep. And then the final one under the Bad Moon light is Spider Fang Venom. So while Spider Fang units are affected by the light of the Bad Moon, their Spider Venom ability causes mortal wounds on an unmodified roll of 5 plus instead of a 6. Nice. Pretty good. Yeah. Yep. And there are things that affect that as well we're going to talk about. So All these things are reliable. All these things are things that you want. You know, you want all your units to be under the light of the bad moon as much as possible. It's just good. Right? Yeah. You know, some of the things you lost from it, Nick, you know, you were mentioning that you were a little bummed out about, you know, some of the chip damage that came with it and the casting buff and debuff that came along with yep. it. It's less bookkeeping. So, you know, that's certainly a nice thing. Always appreciate less bookkeeping. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So next thing we have is Bosses of the Everdank, which is the heroic actions for Gloomspite Gets Heroes. We have a couple of, quote, tables. So the first thing we have is Gloomspite Gets Heroic Actions. This is obviously for heroes. The first one is Beckon the Lunatic Hordes. Only a Moon Clan hero affected by the light of the Bad Moon can carry out this heroic action. This hero can immediately issue the rally command up to three times without command points being spent. Each unit that receives the command must... Oh, that's just sick. <laughs> must be a different friendly moon clan unit. Oh my god. So it's on a four up and you can do it to three units and you're not spending any CPs. Yep. That's just insanity. Now you're not going to be as CP rich as you used to be. I mean, we played Darn. some games, Nick, where you oh had like 13. God, it was nuts. Uh, it was like we were playing Dice Throne and he was a shadow thief or something, yeah. right? <laughs> it was just dumb. So you're not going to be sitting on that mountain of CPs anymore, but you know, you certainly have some things that are going to help you in your spend category keep it lower, and mm. this is one of them. Yeah. The next one is Wait and Smash. Only a Dankhold Trogoth or Trog boss within three inches of any enemy units can carry out this heroic action. This Dankhold Trog boss can make a six inch move, but must first finish the move within three inches of any enemy units. At the end of that move, roll a dice for each enemy unit within one inch of the Trog boss. On a two up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. I love this. Yeah. It's an opportunity to reposition a pretty punchy character. Yep. You can use it to basically out of sequence tie up a unit that wasn't in combat before that cannot redeploy you can use this to pin and win <laughs> that's great and then the next one is beasts of the loon layers and this is for gloom spike gets monsters the first one is ensnaring webbing only an arachnorok unit can carry out this monstrous rampage Pick one enemy hero within three inches of this Arachnorok unit that is not a monster and roll a dice. If the score equals or exceeds the hero's wounds characteristic, that hero cannot fight in the following combat phase. This is so niche, though. Ooh. You can only target heroes that are six wounds or less. Mm -hmm. You have a, a single dice roll attempt to try and 
equal or beat that wound's characteristic. Most heroes are five to six wounds. Yeah. You're looking at a, a one-third or a one-sixth chance at triggering that. Sure. You're better off roaring them, unless you've used all of your other monstrous actions somehow, <laughs> and you just have this to go, then you go, okay, sure. And then the next one's Giant Boing. Only a Mangler Squig unit that has made a charge move this turn can carry out this monstrous action. This Mangler Squig unit can make a 3d6 move but it must finish that move within three inches of any enemy units Mangler okay. squigs are dumb i'm yeah. really liking this one <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> besides the fact that their models are so boss it's the uh, stonehorn tokyo drift yeah. uh but with a squig <laughs> that's what it is yeah <laughs> sure all right and then we got our sub factions and we got five of them in this book so nick why don't you start us out with the king's gits so we have the King's Gits. This one is if you command a King's Gits army, you can re-roll the dice roll when using the Bad Moon Loon Shrine's Moon Clan Layers ability. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. The shrine will still triggers on a four up. Some of the wording for it has changed to be even better, but getting the re-roll at it's pretty good. There's a command trait that we're going to talk about. Probably one of us has picked it for sure. Yeah, this is good. <laughs> it just keeps getting better and better. Yeah, it oh, sure it does. does. Yeah, I'm liking it. Which one do you want to do, Brendan? I'm going to do Glog's Mega Mob. I'm a big proponent of Trogs in this book. So they have monstrous regeneration. Each time a friendly Glog's Mega Mob Trogoth unit fights, after all of its attacks have been resolved, the effect of its regeneration or greater regeneration ability is triggered. So this means that every time you fight, you get to heal. Plus, we're going to talk about they can also heal another time. Yes. So lots and lots and of healing. healing is now automatic. Yeah. No rolls, no nothing yet. Yeah. It's so cool. It's really good. I'm going to do uh, Jaws of Mork. This is Crushing Gobs. Add one to the attacks characteristic of fang-filled gobs, massive fang-filled gobs, and huge fang f- fang-filled gobs. If it's a jaw attack for a squig. Yes. <laughs> Used by friendly Jaws of Mork squig units that have made a charge move in that turn. And we just talked about being under the light of the bad moon. Did you run and charge? Big change for squigs is their movement is no longer incredibly random. It's only slightly random now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is something that you can depend on more now than you did before. So which one do you want to do next? Do you want to do the wizard one or do you want to do the spider one, Nick? I'll do the wizard one. Okay. So this one is Bad Snatchers and Harbinger of the Everdank. So each time a casting roll is made for a friendly Bad Snatchers Moon Clan wizard, if that wizard is wholly within nine inches of any other friendly Bad Snatchers Moon Clan Wizards. You can re-roll one of the dice in that casting roll. Seems pretty good to me. I like yeah. that one. Roll one, just re-roll it, and get a little higher. Yeah, it's neat. The tough bit for that one, right, is what it's competing with in terms of the other sub-factions, because like, mm-hmm. this on its own is really good. Mm-hmm. We talked about the Slaves to Darkness Cabalist, which is mm. similar but not the same. Right as being a really good sub-faction, and it speaks to the strength of this book where you look at a sub-faction and you go, wow, that's really good. You're like, but can I really pass up these other lists? Like, the last one is the spiders, and I really feel that the spiders are kind of the forgotten part of the army. Everyone else got a bunch of love, and I guess people just really don't like spiders. But so Grim Scuttle is through the cracks they creep during deployments of any friendly Grimscuttle, Skitterstrand, Arachnorox, so these are the ones that you can set up off-board, have been set up in ambush and reserve units using the 
ambush from beyond ability, instead of setting up another friendly Grimscuttle Spider Fang unit, you can place that unit to one side and say it will join a friendly Grimscuttle Arachnorok and ambush as a reserve unit. Up to two units can join any friendly Skitterstrand Arachnorok as a reserve unit. When the Arachnorok arrives on the battlefield for the first time, set up all units that joined it wholly within 12 inches of it and more than 9 inches from all enemy units. This is kind of like a Silver Tower Spider version. Spider version. Yeah. 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 You know, it's not unlike the Nurgle guys who can drop out yep. of the sky and they can bring some units of flies with them. Yep. It's just spider and coming up from the ground. Yep. All right. Uh, that's the starting point for this. You know, next up, we'll get into heroes. Okay, we are going to jump into heroes, and the first hero in this book is Kragnos. He is Kragnos. He is the same as he is everywhere else. We're not going to spend any more time on him. 3D6 charging squigs are good. Yes. <laughs> and trogs. Yes. That's good. Yeah. But we are going to let our friend Nick talk about the beastie Scragrot. So why don't you tell us about this guy? Yeah, so Scragrot may be small in stature, but he's got a big war scroll. <laughs> okay. Uh, so it starts off, he's got 5-inch move, 5-up save, 6 for bravery, and 6 wounds. And then he has 1 melee attack, the moon on a stick. He's got a range of 2-inch, 3 attacks, 3 by 3s, minus 1 rend, and damage D3. He's obviously a combat hero. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're getting him up in the mix right away. No, he's hanging back. <laughs> So, Scragrot is a wizard who can attempt to cast two spells in your hero phase and attempt to unbind two spells in the enemy hero phase. And if he's part of a Gloom Spite Gits army, he knows all the spells from the Lord of the Moon <sighs> clans in addition to the other spells he knows. So, pretty good. good. Yeah, it's it's pretty, always pretty good. good. Next, he has his Babbling Wand. So, once per turn, this unit can issue a command without a command point being spent. And that's per player turn, so that's pretty good. Yep. Okay. Then we have his Moon on the Stick. So for this one, if the unit is included in a Gloomspite Gits army, friendly Gloomspite Gits units are affected by the Light of the Bad Moon while they are wholly within 12 inches of this unit. So he's now a mobile he's Light a mobile of the Bad Moon. moon. <laughs> Very good. I'm liking that one. If you couldn't get the moon where you wanted, just put him there. <laughs> yep. He's also got his Loon King's Crown. This says... This unit has a ward of four up. In addition, add one to the casting and unbinding rolls for this unit. Pretty good ward save there. Next, we have the Loon King's Entreaty. So once per battle, before you roll a dice to determine if the bad moon moves at the start of the battle round, if this unit is on the battlefield, you can say that Scragrot will reveal his prediction. If you do so, do not roll a dice. Instead, you can choose if the bad moon moves to the next location or stays in its current location. Very good. And then finally, we have Fangs of the Bad Moon. Fangs of the Bad Moon is a spell that has a casting value of 3 and a range of 24 inches. It successfully casts pick one enemy unit within range and visible to the caster and roll a number of dice equal to the casting roll. For each three up, that unit suffers one mortal wound. That's really good. I saw this one and I was just like, wow. I would have expected that to be a casting value of at least six, but on a three... Well, you've got plus one, yep. so as long as you don't roll snake eyes, you auto... It's going off. Yep. Look at the range. 24, 24 inches. inches. It's nuts. Huge range. Your average roll is going to be an eight. Mm -hmm. So the average number of mortal wounds you're going to do is six. Mm -hmm. 
roughly. That's a dead hero that's doing a bunch of damage to a screen that might be in the way. I mean, that's Zinch reliable in mm-hmm. terms of spell casting damage output. You're a two cast to unbind, right? And you're a war master now, and the entreaty isn't built on you being a general. Nope. It's just something you have. You can still take somebody else to be your general, you know, get all the benefits from that, and also get the benefits from having a moon clan hero be a general. Yeah. So the units that are moon clan dependent being being battle line is triggered automatically. For having Scragrot. You can have Squigs and Trolls be battle line. Mm-hmm. So yes, Scragrot definitely got buffed in, I would say, every aspect. And mm-hmm. I'm really excited to get him on the table now. He's really good. And clocking it at 160 points for all. That is a travesty. <laughs> it truly is. And for me, the moon on the stick now, the mobile... Oh. You know, light of the bad moon. That's just really going to help. That's a 24-inch bubble, man. Yep. It's monstrous. Well, yeah, 12 inches each side, but yep. that's, yeah. It, that's huge. Amount yep. of board space. Pretty exciting stuff here. Ooh, yeah. so cool. So next up, you got a loon boss. Just regular old loon boss on foot. Five-inch move, four-up save, bravery five, five wounds. He's got his moon slicer, two-inch range, five attacks, threes by threes, run one, damage D3. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. He's got a ward of a six-up. And then he's got a rule, I'm the boss, now stab him good. When this unit issues an all-out attack command to a friendly Moon Clan unit in the combat phase, in addition to the abilities of all-out attack, that unit's unmodified wound rolls of sixes <laughs> generate a mortal wound in addition. Uh, this is, I think, the first book we've seen this kind of interaction where you have modified base commands. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's pretty neat. Where all-out attack is like all-out attack plus. That's so cool. That is really, really Yeah, cool. there's at least one other instance of this in the book that is pretty good. I like that. Then we have the Mad Cat Shaman. He's the next guy. Five-inch move, five bravery, four wounds, six-up save. He has his moon staff. It's two-inch range, one attack. Four by fours, minus one D3. Yeah, okay, fine. He is a wizard. Can attempt to cast one and unbind one. Once per battle in your hero phase, you can say he will eat its moon cap mushroom. If he does so, this unit can attempt to cast one additional spell in that phase. If it does so and the casting roll is a double, this unit suffers D3 mortals after the effect of the spell has been resolved. And he's got four wounds, so that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> His head explodes. Yeah. Right? Uh, then we have the Night Shroud, which is a spell that has a casting value of 5, range of 12. If successfully cast, pick one friendly Gloom Spike Gets unit, wholly within range, invisible to the caster. Until the start of your next hero phase, subtract one from hit rolls for attacks made with missile weapons that target that unit. So Nick, I'm going to jump the line here. I'm going to take the Squig Bosch with Nasha Squig. Okay. <laughs> so this is the new hero. Five inch move, six up save, bravery five, four wounds. He's got his Squig Crook. Which is two inch range, three attacks, threes by threes, run one damage two. And the squig is one inch range, three attacks, fours by threes, run one damage one. He's got a, a pouch of fungus. In your hero phase, you can pick one friendly squig unit to be fed this batch of mushrooms. If you do so, apply one of the following effects of that unit. Each effect lasts until the start of your next hero phase, and the same unit cannot be fed a batch of shrooms more than once in the same phase. Option one, add three inches of the unit's move characteristic. Pretty good. Option two, if the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with their mouths is a six, the attack causes one mortal wound in addition to any damage it inflicts. I wonder if we just saw something about this. Hmm. Um, So you could conceivably have sixes to hit do mortal wounds and sixes to wound do mortal wounds. Or option three, add one of the attack's characteristics of the fang-filled gobs for all those squigs. So 
You could be Jaws of Mork and be plus two attacks on your squigs. Okay, seems good. Uh, Also, release the squigs. Once per battle at the start of your hero phase, you can say that this unit will release the squigs. If you do so, each friendly squig herd unit wholly within 12 inches, this unit can make a normal move. So important is the release the squigs is at the start of the phase, Feeding them things is in the hero phase, so you would have to position yourself to still be there during the hero phase to feed them Mm -hmm. these mushrooms. But that's pretty good. Squig Herd is, I'm sure everyone has heard by now, are really, really good. This guy is a force multiplier. They go from being, right, three attacks apiece with what they're at to five attacks apiece off the charge, you know, or four attacks apiece off the charge, potentially sixes to hit or mortals, sixes Mm -hmm. to wound or mortals. It's a lot of damage. Mortals when they flee. We'll get to them. But so the squig boss is one of these heroes you're going to see a lot, especially early, to help unleash the squigs and get them up in your face Real early. Be prepared for that. Okay. Then what do you got, Nick? You got your loon boss. Sure. Next we have the loon boss with giant cave squig. So he's a five inch move, a five up save, five bravery, and seven wounds. He's got two melee weapons. One is the moon prodder, two inch range, four attacks, threes by threes, rend minus two, damage two. And then the massive fang filled gob. So one inch range, four attacks, four by threes, Ren minus one damage D3. And then for his abilities, he has Dead Trixie. The unit has a ward of six plus. Going somewhere at the start of the Battle Shock phase, you can pick one other friendly Gloom Spite gets Grot unit within three inches of the unit and say that the Loon Boss will set his cave squig loose on them. If you do so, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds, but for each mortal wound it suffers, add three to its bravery characteristic until the end of the phase. And then finally, we have gobbled up. So at the end of the combat phase, pick one enemy model within one inch of this unit and roll a dice. If the roll is equal or greater than the model's wounds characteristic, it is slain. Pretty decent. So next up, you have two Underworlds Warbands. You know, we yep. don't talk about them. No. The one thing I'll point out is the new one grin crack the great he's got a fight on death ability they're a little expensive for it but you know if you're looking to ensure that your squigs continue to fight after they die then there's there a way go. to go when i first read this i thought he could put that on Kragnos, no. and i was like this is totally broken <laughs> <laughs> no 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 not not quite <laughs> It'd be funny. It'd be very funny. (laughs) Yeah, for you. Yeah, Yeah, so the next one we have is... Fungoid Cave Shaman. Fungoid Cave Shaman. I still love this model. So cool looking. He has a 5-inch move, 5 bravery, 5 wounds, 6-up save. He is a wizard. He's one by one wizard. He has a little companion. He has a spore squig. Mouthpiece of Mork. If this unit is on the battlefield at the start of the hero phase, roll a dice on a 4-up. You receive one extra command point. Sweet. Then Deathcap Mushroom. If he is in a Gloom Spike Gets Army, once per battle in your hero phase, you can say that this unit will eat a Death Cap Mushroom. If you do so, this unit can attempt to cast one additional spell in the hero phase. And that spell can be any spell from the lore of the Moon Clan. So good. Mm-hmm. Wow, so, so good. Sportsquig, this unit is not visible to enemy units that are more than 12 inches away. That's pretty sweet. That's a good change so right there. So don't think about shooting them. Spormaws. Spormaws is a spell that has a casting value of 7, a range of 6. If successfully cast, each enemy unit within range suffers D6 mortals, and you roll separately for each unit. Pretty good. Yep. For the points, he is pretty good. And anywhere where it gives you the ability to cast any spell from the lore, 
lore is just so powerful. So much flexibility it's in that. It's a good that. lore, oh, too. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, oh, I just covet that. What's next? Moon Boss on Mangler Squig. You want that? Yeah. Sure, I'll You take, take the Mangler guy. Oh, you love those guys. Okay, so next we have the Loon Boss on Mangler Squig. His move is on the table based on wound suffered. It can be a D6 plus either 10-inch, 7-inch, 5-inch, or 10-inch at the end. <laughs> he has a 4-up save. A 10 bravery and 14 wounds. Mm-hmm. He's got four melee weapon attacks. So the first one is the moon cutter. Range one inch, attacks five, threes by threes. Ren negative one, damage two. We've got the huge fang filled gobs. Range two inch, attacks four. To hit on the table, starting at three up, then four up, five up, and then when he's wounded, Back to a two up, which is pretty cool. Better than the other table, I think. Yes, much better than the old table. Fangfield gobs to wound three up, rend minus one, damage d6. Then we've got the balls and chains, range two inch, attacks on the table starting at seven, and then going (laughs) to six, five, and then when the squig is ultra wounded, back to an eight, looking pretty good. That's to hit three, to wound threes, rend minus two, damage d3. Oh boy. And then finally, the little grot bashing sticks. Those are range one inch, four attacks, fours by fours, no rend, and damage one. This unit can fly. It's pretty cool. It has an ability curse splat. So after this unit makes a charge move, pick one enemy unit within one inch of this unit and roll a dice for each model in that unit to a maximum of 10 dice. For each four up, that unit suffers one mortal wound. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Watch out. If this model is slain before it is removed from play, roll a dice for each other unit within three inches of this model. On a four up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. And then finally, bite the moon. So once per battle at the start of the combat phase, you can say that this unit will use this ability. If you do so, until the end of the phase, add one to the wound rolls for friendly squig units Uh. while they are wholly within 18 inches of this unit. Oof. Pretty good. I like that. Yep. Pretty good. Squigs just keep getting better and better and better. Yes, they do. He's a monster, which is good. You're going to be able to do your monstrous action big, big boing, right? Which is the 3d6 after you make a charge move, mm-hmm. move, which can get you into the position that you're looking for. And since he can fly, he can hop over lines hop over. and get in the backfield, mm-hmm. throw on fight another day. We're, we're fighting and we're getting out of there. Yeah. <laughs> 370 points, so it's a little steep, but it's a very versatile piece that there's some enhancements that make it real tough to get your hands on. (laughs) (laughs) So next up, we've got the Loon Boss on Giant Cave Squig. Movement D6 plus 7. 4-up save, bravery 6, 8 wounds. You have to choose between giving him a Moon Cutter or Stabba. The Cutter is 1-inch range, 5 attacks, 3s by 3s, Ren 1, damage 2. The Stabba is 2-inch range, 4 attacks, 4s by 3s, Ren 1, damage 2. You're probably taking the Cutter. The Jaws, 1-inch range, 4 attacks, 4s by 3s, Ren 1, damage D3. The Stabba, if you make a charge move, you add 1 to the damage characteristic and increase the Rend by 1. Very common for Lances you know, nowadays, basically mm-hmm. since the Slaves of Darkness book. Then he's got Let's Get Bouncing, which is... In the combat phase, after this unit's fought, you can pick one friendly Boingrop Bounder unit that is not fought yet within three inches of an enemy unit, and wholly within 12, that unit can fight immediately. Again, starting to be more common for some of these smaller heroes to get uh, Mm -hmm. their friends to fight with them, trying incentivizing you to take these models to begin with. Mm -hmm. Sure. So next up, in terms of heroes, Dan, is the Dankhold Trogdoss. Why don't you tell us what he does? Loving this. 
The Trog Boss has 6-inch moves, 7 bravery, 12 wounds, 4-up save, has greater regen. At the start of the hero phase, you can heal up to D6 wounds allocated to this unit. Automatic. Yep. Mega Mob, D6 after you fight. Yes. He's going to be tough to kill. This unit also has a 4-up. Ignore the effects of a spell or effects of an endless spell on this unit. So very, very nice there. At the start of a combat phase, roll one dice for each enemy unit within three inches of any friendly units with this ability. If the roll is equal to or greater than the number of models in that enemy unit, that enemy unit suffers one mortal wound. Crushing Grip, like this one. At the end of the combat phase... Pick one enemy model within one inch of this unit and roll a die. If the roll is equal to or greater than that model's wound characteristic, it is slain. Sweet. And all the big dankholds have that. The Shepherd of Destruction. This is cool too. When this unit issues an all-out attack command to a friendly, Gloom Spike gets Trogoth unit in the combat phase. Until the end of that phase, add one to the attacks characteristics of melee weapons used by the unit. This is another enhanced all-out attack again. Plus one attack, plus plus one to hit. Pretty sweet. Especially of a unit of Trogs. Man. Yeah, and his boom, combat boom, profile boom. Is, is pretty good there, Dan. Boom, boom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's Brendan's way of reminding me that I didn't talk about it. Yeah, that's true. Let's talk <laughs> Let's talk about the melee profile real quick. The Boulder Club is 2-inch range, 4 attacks, 3 by 3s minus 2, D6 damage. That is very respectable. Pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, 200 points You know, is one of the elements to getting Trogs to being battle line. Yes. Having a command ability that not only gives you plus 1 to hit, but adds one to the attack's characteristic of all your trogs is pretty good. Being under the light of the bad moon, giving you plus one to your save, so you don't necessarily need all defense. You basically have all defense built in if you're in the light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, getting the extra you know fight against rends is pretty good, but you're already offsetting something that your opponent, if they don't have rend, isn't doing. The other nice thing is it is not a named character so you can give it artifacts and stuff so that's really nice too if you're going to take a trog army very cool and the artifacts for dank hold trog bosses are good (laughs) they are scuttle boss time huh yep nick tell us about this boss on this big old spider Sure, so we have the Scuttle Boss on Gigantic Spider. He's got a 10-inch move, a 4-up save, 6 bravery, 8 wounds. He has two melee weapons. First one is the Envenom Spear, range 2-inch, attacks 4, 3s by 3s, Ren minus 1, damage 2. And he also has the Gigantic Fang, so 1-inch range, 4 attacks, 4s by 3s for hit and wound, Ren minus 1, and damage 2. For his abilities, he has Spider Venom, So if the unmodified hit roll for an attack made by this unit is six, that attack causes two mortal wounds to the target and the attack sequence ends. In parentheses, do not make a wound or a save roll. Next we have wall crawler. When this unit makes a move, it can pass Mm. across terrain features in the same manner as if the unit can fly. And then Scuttle Away, which is once per battle, at the end of the combat phase, you can say this unit will order his warriors to scuttle away. (laughs) If you do so, you can pick one friendly spider rider's unit wholly within 12 inches of this unit. This unit and the unit you picked can retreat one after the other in the order of your choice. That's pretty nice, man. Not counting as a retreat, yeah. They're fast, they're 10 inch move, you're retreating out of phase. You can use it to set up a kind of a nonsense screen for next, or if you get the double, mm. you can throw them into whatever you want next. Yep. Next up is the Web Spinner Shaman. Five inch move, six up save, bravery five, four wounds. He's got the Spider of the God Staff, or the Spider God Staff. Woo! One inch range, one attack, fours by threes, run one, damage d3. Combat Wizard, obviously. One cast, one unbind. 
5 up ward save. His base spell is Speed of the Spider God. Casting value 4, range 24 inches. Pick a friendly Spider Fang unit wholly within range and visible. Until your next hero phase, that unit can run and still shoot and or charge in the same turn. If you rolled an 8 or more, up to D3 units instead. You're most often taking the Web Spinner Shaman for access to the lore. Mm -hmm. The lore is good. Yeah, for spiders. Yeah, the spider lore is good. Uh, So let's go over then to the Web Spinner Shaman. And this is the model I had when I had spiders. I remember this guy. Because I remember putting him on the On the Arachnarok with his his shrine and all that fun stuff. Yep. Yep. So he's got a 10-inch move, 16 wounds, bravery of 6, 4-up save. They have a shooting attack, 16-inch range, 10 attacks, 4x5s, no rend, 1 damage. That has lots of different melee attacks, 4. Spider God Staff, which would be the Shaman, I assume, having yep. that. 1 attack, 4x3s, minus 1d3. The Chitinous Legs is 2-inch range, and it has a range of attacks from 8 down to 5. 4x3s, minus 1-1. One, one. Monstrous Fangs, 4 attacks, hitting on 2s, wounding on 3s, minus 1 and 3 damage. The Crooked Spears, 1-inch, 8 attacks, 5x4s, no rend, 1 damage. So there we go. He is a wizard. He's a 2x1 wizard, actually, which is kind of interesting. This unit has a Grot crew that has the bows and the spears and stuff. Okay, so Catchweb Spider Shrine. Add 1 to the casting rolls and the binding rolls for friendly Spider Fang wizards while they are wholly within 12 inches of any unit with this ability. Well, that would be... Yourself as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And the spider venom is the same, except when this one hits on sixes with the monstrous fangs, it courses three mortal wounds and the attack sequence ends. I remember either I killed or I seriously damaged like a Durthu or a Tree Lord or something when I ran him into them when I played a Silverneth army with him. Mm-hmm. And he rolled like two sixes and it was like, yes! <laughs> oh, it was so cool with all those mortal wounds. Wall crawler, again, can move across terrain features in the same manner as a unit that can fly. Venom of the Spider God is the spell. Has a casting value of 6, range of 18 if successfully cast. Pick one friendly Spider Fang unit wholly within range, invisible of the caster. Until the start of your next hero phase, add 1 to the number of mortal wounds caused by the Spider Venom ability of that unit if the unmodified hit roll was a 6. If the casting roll is 10 or more, pick up the D3 different Spider Fang units instead of 1. Okay, cool. Little enhancement. All right. That's it for heroes. Yep. Talk enhancements. Sure. All righty. Enhancements. There we go. 66. So enhancements. Nick, why don't you tell us what your first favorite command trait for Blessings of the Bad Moon is? So the these are Grot heroes only. I think my first favorite is probably the Clammy Hand. Mm-hmm. So if this general is within 12 inches of the Bad Moon Loon Shrine, in your army at the end of your turn, you can use the Bad Moon Loon Shrine's Moon Clan Layer Scenery Rule two times at the end of that turn. So really just helping you bring back a lot of things. Pairing that with mm-hmm. your King's Gits allows you to re-roll it, so you'd have two of them that you're re-rolling. That's good. Yep, sounds like it'll be pretty reliable. And then the next one that I like is Fight Another Day. So Loon Boss only. Each time this general fights, after all of their attacks have been re- resolved, they can make a 2d6 move. Mm-hmm. If they do so, they must finish the move more than three inches from any enemy units. So taking the Loon Boss on Mangler Squig, getting him in there, getting him out after fight. Pretty good. Yep. That's very cool. My two are the same. The other ones are good too, but those are my favorite. Putting that on a Loon Boss on Mangler Squig, making its move, making its charge, 3d6 monstrous action, 2d6 bounce away. Yep. Good luck catching this guy. Yep. Good yep. luck hiding. Yep. Yep. 
There you go. Let's move on to Trogboss traits then. You don't have two that you like, Dan? I like the same two. The same two? Yeah, oh, wow. it's right. really weird. I kind of... <laughs> Fair enough. I was considering the Squig Hero one, which is add one to hit and wound rolls, which isn't bad. Mm-hmm. It's not terrible, but... Yeah, I think those two are standouts. In terms of Dankhold Trogboss and the traits, I love Loonskin. I think that is so cool. This one's a no-brainer. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. If your general has this command trait, you can include one of the following endless spells in your army without spending any points. Hello, listeners. No points. Free endless spell. Not that you don't have enough stuff in this army with for no points. You Man, that's amazing. He can cast those as in the same manner as a wizard, but he doesn't yeah. have to be the one that casts it. One of these endless no. spells is 100 points. Yeah. You can yeah. take Scragrot and <laughs> this guy, yeah. give him the loon skin trait. You take the free endless spell and have Scragrot cast the 100-point yep. endless spell. With his plus yeah. one, yep. And so in addition to getting a free endless spell... He can also cast the spell that you pick as if that's, he was a wizard. That's the only thing that he can cast, though. Yeah, that's it. He not is a, not a wizard, and he doesn't become a wizard or anything but else. But you're getting 100 free points. Yeah. No, so. you could, if you really wanted to be a wizard, you could do something with your Arcane Tome, Tome or whatever. Yeah, right. What um, are you guys thinking? Yeah, I really like that. I also like Alpha Trog. Hmm? Add two to this general's wound characteristic. In addition, it gains the monster keyword. Yeah. Gives you a monstrous action to execute on, right? Prevents you from being stomped. Gives you a you know free crack at Titanic Duel and stuff like that. Because he's not a monster. Which no, is... he's not. This is also a cool modeling opportunity, potentially on having just like a bigger Trog boss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I picked the Loon Skin. I like that one. Next is Moon Clan Hero. Artifacts. Yep, Artifacts. What's your first choice? I'm going to go the Clammy Cowl. Subtract one mm. from hit rolls that target that bearer. Okay. That, that one's pretty straightforward. Nice. Yeah. I like the Moonface Mommet. This creepy little doll it can be used to call down misfortune on your foes. I like it. It's so, again, wizards only. At the start of the combat phase, pick one enemy unit within 12 inches of the bearer. Subtract one from save rolls for attacks that target that unit until the end of that phase. It's another debuff. Very cool. You got to get your wizard in range. However, you've got a spell that'll make that a little bit easier. You're putting yep. it potentially at risk, but that's a good trade. Yep. And then I like the Leering Git Shield. So unmodified hit rolls of one for attacks that target the bearer cause one mortal wound to the attacking unit after all the unit's attacks oh, have been resolved. Really good. In addition, if the bearer is slain by an attack made by an enemy unit, subtract one from hit rolls for attacks made by that unit until the end of the battle. So you get a debuff that hangs around the whole time, and I think will make people think a little bit more about trying to kill. This is, you know, Dan crazy idea here, but put him on some little stupid hero and just rush him forward and force somebody to attack him, like somebody worthwhile, Mm -hmm. you know, that really some big monster or something that's a centerpiece of your opponent's army in turn one or two and then like you said for the rest of the game they're minus one to hit just that's nuts yeah yeah <laughs> it seems to me like it might be worth an artifact surprisingly none of you took my second pick oh. okay the staff of sneaky stealing hmm. wizard only add one of the casting rolls the bearer each time the bearer unbinds a spell add one of the casting oh, rolls for the bearer yes. for the rest of the battle the rest that of the one. battle yeah it's crazy throw that on scragrot oh, oh no. can't because he's named. Oh, never mind. Uh, um, <laughs> but pairing that with Loon Touch, which is a command trait we didn't talk about, which is wizards only, that general can cast an additional spell in each of your hero phases while they're in the light of the bad moon. You've got a character who can get additional cast and is going to benefit from the additional casting rolls as the game goes on. Woof. Okay. 
Let's move over to Venomous Valuables. Yeah, so... What's your guys' pick on your, Yeah, what's your favorite one here? I'll take the Totem of the Spider God. While friendly Spider Fang units are wholly within 12 inches of the bear, add one to the number of mortal wounds caused by the Spider Venom ability of those units if the unmodified hit roll is a six. So that's pretty good, right? The spell we talked about doing effectively the same thing. Mm-hmm. So you can be plus two on sixes. So your little spider r- riders, which we'll talk about in a little bit, when they have hit rolls of sixes, could potentially be doing three mortal wounds apiece, which is spicy. What do you think, Nick? Is the same one? Or? Yeah, I like the totem of the spider god as well. I don't know. The headdress is kind of interesting because only unmodified hit rolls of five or six successfully score a hit for attacks that target the bear. Mm. That's not bad. Mm-hmm. That's not bad at all. Kind of reminds me of the cockatrice with the only on sixes kind yep. of thing. And then we have the trog boss. Here we go <laughs> for his little things. I think the glowy howitz is always kind of fun. And obviously it's very gloom spike gitsy that it's very chancy. Uh, The bear has a ward of four up, which is really, really good. At the end of each phase, because he doesn't internally, the Trogboss does not have a ward. At the end of each phase, if the bear was allocated any wounds in that phase that were not negated, roll a dice on a one. He looks at it, it looks tasty, and he eats it. And it's gone. (laughs) So, that's not bad stuff. I like Pet Gribbly. So add one to the bear's wounds characteristic. In addition, each time a wound is allocated to the bear and not negated, roll a dice. On a one, the pet gribbly is squished. When the pet gribbly is squished, the bear becomes enraged for the rest of the battle. Add one to the hit rolls and wound rolls for attacks made by the bear while they're enraged. I just think the flavor on that's hilarious, where he gets super angry that his little pet squished. (laughs) Brennan? Uh, I'm in the glowy howitz camp. That four-up ward is... Pretty brutal. That's tough to pass up. Even though Uh, it might go away. So over to spells. Yeah. So what's everybody's favorite spell here in the lore of the Moon Clans? Obviously Scragrot knows all of them. Don't even have to pick. Any spell to me that provides teleportation, any rule that provides teleportation, not just spells, I think is so powerful in this game. And so Hand of Gork is by far my favorite. As the casting value of 7 range of 24, successfully cast, pick one friendly Goom Spike Gits unit, and that range of 24 is just monstrous. More than 3 inches from all enemy units and is wholly within range, visible of the caster. Remove the unit from the battlefield, set it up again anywhere on the battlefield, more than 9 inches from all enemy units that can't move in the following movement phase. You can do that multiple times it's not like once per battle and that's wow i'm just thinking hey there's a unit of how many squigs i could just drop them off somewhere like uh, it's just brutal oh i got 60 stabbers over here oh yeah let me just put them wherever i want it can you imagine dropping them somewhere close to your enemy's backfield? I used to do it, it just, all the time. Yeah, it's just like... <laughs> yeah, you beat just, me with it once. It's yeah. just brutal. So I love Hand of Gork. I think it's just great. What are you guys thinking? Yeah, so Hand of Gork, obviously very good. I like Itchy Nuisance. Casting value of a 6, mm-hmm. range of 18. You know, pick one enemy unit within range, invisible. The strike last effect applies until the end of the turn. You know, that's mm-hmm. just... I like things that hand out strike last, right? You know, the last episode we talked about Beast of Chaos and all the things that hand out strike last. To me, that's something that, like, I'm drawn to mm-hmm. uh, in terms of being able to mess with my opponent's game plan. Sure. Uh, Nick, what do you got? I think I'm leaning towards Squig Lure. I know it's situational, but Squig Lure is a spell that has a casting value of 5 and a range of 18. If successfully cast, pick one friendly Squig unit wholly within range and visible to the caster. Until your next hero phase, you can reroll charge rolls for that unit. It just adds a little more reliability. 
Ah. Really useful on squig herds, because squig herds can't receive any command abilities. Mm. So this builds in something for them. <laughs> okay. Lore of the spider fang. So spider fang wizards only, Dan. Yep. I actually like the spider lore. Yeah. Sneaky I wish, distraction. I wish the rest of the spiders were good. Yeah. Sneaky distraction is my choice. It's a little bit high casting value, so that it makes it a little more iffy, but it's cast a seven, range of twelve. It's successfully cast until your next hero face subtract one from hit rolls for attacks made by enemy units while they're within range of the caster. Just makes them more reliable. Yep. And nothing wrong with that. You want to keep your big it, spiders. It's a twelve inch AoE mm-hmm. minus one to hit. Yep. That's really good. If you can get it off, that's the kicker. Sneaky Distraction is also my pick from these lures. Okay. I like Scuttling Terrors. Casting value of a 6 of range of 18. Mm. If successfully cast, pick one friendly Spider Fang unit wholly within range and visible to caster. That unit can make a normal move. This is acting out of phase. So if you are in combat, you can get them out. It's not a retreat move. It's a normal move. Position them where you want them. They didn't make a retreat. So guess what? Now they're going in and they're going to do the thing they want to. And if you can string together all those pluses to be three mortal wounds off your little spider bites, then you are in great shape. That's the heroes. There's a lot of synergy that comes off the heroes in this book. So... Obviously, we talked about a lot of being good. Yes. So, listeners, try and keep this in mind as we talk about the units, because the heroes that you pair with the units is really, really, really super important. Here's to five miserable months on the wagon and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me. It is time to hit up units, and we're going to start with Gabapalooza. The... Most difficult to buy unit right now in Warhammer is the Gobblepalooza <laughs> for at least one reason being that you can technically bring it back from the Loon Shrine, yeah. which is something. Yeah. It's a unit that's five inch move, six up save, bravery five, three wounds. They have one profile, one range, one attack, fours by fours, ren one, damage d3. There are five models in a Gobblepalooza. Each model is unique. You have a Scaremonger, a Brugit, a Spiker, a Bogolai, and one Shroommancer. Each model in the unit is armed with that same melee profile. You have Bogolai is a wizard that can attempt to cast one and unbind one. And the Shroommancer is a one cast, one unbind. Each time you take a spell lore enhancement, both the Bogolai and the Shroommancer know that spell, but no other models in this unit can attempt to cast or unbind spells. In the first battle round, this unit has a four-up ward. In the second, it's a five-up, and then after that, it's a six-up through the rest of the game. You have the Gobblepalooza No Whats. Once per turn in your hero phase, this unit can use its No Whats. If you do so, pick one of the following effects to apply. If you have a Scaremonger, you can use Glareface Dance. You pick one friendly Gloomspike Gits unit, hold within 12 inches, add one to run rolls and charge rolls for that unit until the start of your next phase. Petaled Potion can only be used if you have a Brugit. Pick one friendly Gloomspike Gits hero, hold within 12 inches of this unit, add one to hit rolls and wound rolls for attacks made mm. with melee weapons by that unit until the start of your next hero phase. Uh, and then you've got Nasty Poisons. You can only use this if you have a Spiker. Pick a friendly gloom spike gets units wholly within 12 inches of this unit. Improve the run characters of that unit's weapons by one until the start of your next hero phase. As worded right now, that applies to ranged weapons as well. You can apply multiple spikers to the same unit right now as well, yeah. which is good. Mesmerize. So this is a spell known by Bogolai specifically. Casting value of a six and range 12. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range and visible the caster. At the start of your next hero phase, that unit cannot issue or receive commands. And then Fungoid Cloud can only use if you have a Shroommancer. Casting value of 6, range of 12, if successfully cast. So the start of your next hero phase, subtract 1 from hit roll for attacks that target friendly Gloomspike Gits units while they are wholly within range of this unit. 
there's a lot to this unit. It's got a couple of things that are really good. The spells are good. The fact that it's basically a two-cast, two-unbind unit. For like 145 um, points Right, for this depending thing. on the number of guys that you have. And three models that you're really interested in are the Shroomancer, Spiker, and Bogolai. Mm -hmm. Scaremonger and Brugit are effectively right now wound dumpsters. Brugit's not bad where you can use him to tool up a Mangler Squig on Loon Boss, give him the plus one, plus one, and just whoop, mm. toss him in there and let him go. Mm -hmm. Getting the extra rend, having the casting attempts that you have out of it, that's where you make your money with these guys. Okay. They are nearly impossible to get a hold of right now because they're just that good. It's 15 wounds for like that casting unit for 145 points. Seems okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Not unique. Technically not a hero. Single, so you can't reinforce them, thankfully, because that would be... Stupid. Real silly. Mm -hmm. yeah. You also wouldn't want to do it anyways, because you just want to maximize mm -hmm. your opportunities. Yeah, they're out there. The next unit we have is Sneaky Snufflers, right? Yep. Yeah. I think that's it. Five-inch move, two wounds, six-up save, four bravery. Off their heads is the first rule. Unit has a ward of five up. Then loon cap mushrooms. At the start of your movement phase, you can say this unit is harvesting loon cap mushrooms. If you do so, it cannot move in the movement phase, but you can make a harvesting roll by rolling a die. Add one to the roll if this unit is affected by the light of the bad moon. On a one or two nothing, three up, you can pick one friendly gloom splite gets unit. Holy within 12, that unit has a ward of 5 up until the start of your next hero phase. In addition, if the harvesting roll was 6 or more, add 1 to the attacks characteristic of that unit's melee weapons till the start of your next hero phase. This is so good. Love this unit. So have this kind of go along behind a unit of trogs or something and just harvest. Oh, man. such So much enhancement. Yeah, the tough part yeah. is is you do the harvesting, but then you can't move. So right. You got to... Yeah. It's timing and spacing. And timing and spacing. There's some teleporting, right? Thankfully, yeah. it's, you know, picking friendly units holy within 12, as long as things don't end too far outside of where you'd like to go. Mm -hmm. Getting a five-up ward on your river trolls is... Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No kidding, man. <laughs> It's vomit, and we're going to talk about that. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, Coolio. Then the next thing is the Loon Smashes. Nick, you want to hit us up with these guys? Sure. Yeah, you got some of these that have forks and knives and stuff that are... Oh, yeah. That was a <laughs> In fact, you should talk about both of these because you've converted all these, okay, these guys. Okay, for sure. So first we have the Loon Smasher Fanatics. Move to D6. Save 6 up. Bravery 10. Wound 1. Its melee weapons are the ball and change with a... Range of 3-inch, D6 attacks, 4s by 3s, Ren minus 2, damage D3. Their abilities are release the fanatic, so during deployment, instead of setting up this unit on the battlefield, you can place it to one side and say that it is set up hidden as a reserve unit. You can set up one unit hidden in this manner for each friendly Moon Clan Grot unit, consisting of five or more models that is on the battlefield and that does not have the squig or fanatic keyword. At the end of deployment, secretly pick one friendly unit that is on the battlefield for this unit to be hidden within and record that information on a piece of paper. The unit picked must be another friendly Moon Clan Grot unit consisting of five or more models that does not have the squig or fanatic keyword. This unit cannot be hidden within a unit that already has another unit hidden within <laughs> it. At the start of the charge phase, you can release this unit. If you do so, set 
up this unit wholly within three inches of the unit in which it was hidden and more than three inches from all enemy units. If this unit was released in your charge phase, it can attempt to charge in that phase. If the unit in which this unit is hidden is destroyed before this unit is released, before the last model in that unit is removed from play, set up this unit wholly within six inches of that model then remove that model as normal. I like that. And then Whirling Death, this unit has first strike effects applied to it. Okay. So pretty good, like hiding them and popping them out. And what about the Spore Splatters? So the Spore Splatter Fanatics, they have a 2d6 move. Yeah. Six up save, 10 bravery, one wound. Their melee weapons are the Spore Ball and Chain with a range of three inches, d3 attacks, twos by fours, Ren minus one, damage d3. Abilities are a prod in the right direction, so after deployment, but before the first battle round begins, this unit can make a normal move. Then we have the Puff Shroom Frenzy, so add one to the attacks characteristics of melee weapons used by other friendly Gloom Spite Gits units while they are wholly within nine inches of any friendly units with this ability. And then finally they have Spore Cloud, so visibility between two models is blocked if the straight line drawn between the closest points of the two models passes across a model in this unit or passes within one inch of this unit. The ability does not apply if either of the models the line is drawn between is a model in this unit, a model that can fly, or a monster. Plus one to attacks characteristics of any unit in this book, pretty much. I mean, everything's Gloom Spike gets. And then mm -hmm. kind of providing a, a kind of a, you know, shooting screen is mm -hmm. pretty good. All these units that we just talked about, the Snufflers and both the Fanatics, are only 110 points for five or six models in the case of the Snufflers. I don't know. Not bad. Yeah. Certainly worth considering. Next up, we've got the Shooters. Yay. Five inch move, six up save, bravery four, one wound apiece. They've got their bow, 20 inch range, one attack, fours by fives, no rend damage one. They have slitters, one inch range, one attack, five by fives, no rend damage one. And then the netters have barbed nets, two inch range, three attacks, fours by fives, no rend damage one. Three in every 20 can be nets. The champion adds one to the attack's characteristics of his bow. The standard bearer is one in every 20 can be a bad moon icon bearer. You had one to save rolls for attacks made with missile weapons that target a unit with bad moon icon bearer. One in every 20 is a musician. It adds one to run rolls. Netters now are just minus one to hit if your unit has any nets and that enemy unit is within one inch of you. Good. Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry about the positioning. Yeah, the... Oh my, That's we, really nice. We two, what's the... the mm -hmm. If you're within an inch of this unit and they have nets, you're minus one to hit. Mm-hmm. And then lots of errors, add one to the attacks characteristics, the bows if this unit has 10 or more models. So it's really 40 attacks in 20. Spiker, you know, makes it rend minus one. You have a bunch of spikers, it could be rend minus two or rend minus three. You know, uh. unit of 60 is suddenly 120 shots. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Adding one to hit one. Oh no. <laughs> Yes, that's them. How about the Stabas? They've got a pretty cool rule in this unit. Five up save, four bravery, one wound, five inch move. Uh, Stabas are one inch range, one attack, four by fours. No rend anywhere here. One damage. Poking Spear, two inch range, one attack, five by fours, one damage. And then the Barbed Net. Oh, wonder what that's for. Yeah. <laughs> two, two inch range, three attacks, four by fives, one damage. The Champion adds one to the attacks characteristic. The Standard Bearer, one in every 20 models, can be a Bad Moon Icon Bearer. And one to save rolls for attacks made with missile weapons that target this unit. Musicians, you can add one to run rolls for this unit. 
Nice. A netters, we know what netters do. So subtract one from hit rolls. And Archaic Horde. While this unit has 20 or more models, models in this unit can contest an objective while they're within nine inches instead of six. Boo, man. I cannot wait. Ouch. To see someone caught out by this rule. Oh. You're like, oh, I just don't have the movement to get to that objective. And your opponent's like, yes. Oh, but I cap at nine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I have 22. You've got not that many. (laughs) What? (laughs) No. So good, man. All right. So I'm going to talk. Really unique rule. I love that that's a thing. I do wonder truly how often people are going to get caught by that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. You can hear the arguments now. What do you mean? mean? You're not within six? (laughs) 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 But you can see the Grotz doing that. I'm going to talk about the riders real quick because, hey, wolves, of course. You know? Mm -hmm. 12-inch move, two wounds, five plus save and four bravery and there are God, four bravery yeah i know it's insane there are only like five brendan would you check i think there's only like five models yeah it's a unit yeah. five so it's not that much for the points has a bow which is 16 inch range one attack four by fives no rend anywhere here either one damage the stab of sticks they have two inch range one attack four by fives one damage and then the jaws on the wolves two inch range two attacks three by threes and two damage can have one attack for the get boss standard bearer adds one bravery musician adds one to charge rolls can't catch us when this unit receives the redeploy command you can re-roll the dice that determines the distance it can move in addition immediately after the unit redeploys it can shoot this unit cannot receive the unleash hell command in the same turn that it receives use the redeploy command okay yeah like you were gonna do that anyways right right. with your five shots (laughs) yeah right ferocious pounce this unit is eligible to fight in the combat phase if it's within six inches of an enemy unit instead of three and it can move an extra three when it piles in smelling weakness add one to hit rolls for attacks made with this unit's slavering jaws the target that has one or more wounds allocated to it overall i just think this unit's a miss given all the other things that are in this book sadly as much as i love wolves i thought there was going to be more to it than this. There's it's no synergy like, for them. No. They don't have the right keyword for anything. Like, mm-hmm. yes, they have Gloom Spike gets cool, that's great. Yeah. But the keyword that they fall under is Git Mob. The only other Git Mob keyword is Ripa Snarl Fangs. Right. Which is an Underworld's yeah. Warband. Mm-hmm. They don't do anything. No. The way they kind of marketed them, I expected there to be more. I expected them to be like, you know, they talked about their slavering jaws and all that stuff and poisonous, this. I thought, oh, maybe we can get the sixes, you know, can be mortal wounds or something at least. Mm-hmm. But no. Just I nothing. struggle to find a role for them. Yeah, absolutely. Right? If you're looking for five cav bases, you're better <laughs> off with five spider riders mm-hmm. Absolutely, for 90 points versus 135. Yeah. It's the same number of wounds. Yeah. And you got a chance at mortals. Just, they do more. And there's more of a chance with those riders to your point, Brennan, that they can get so many synergies Yeah, mm-hmm. if you're going in the spider route. They can do something. They can do yeah. anything. So, a little bit of sadness there, unfortunately. You even have more bow attacks with the spider yeah. riders. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> For less points. What? Livid. All right. So, winner, winner, chicken dinner here. Squig herds. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. Are they first in line to get their points adjusted? (laughs) 
Nick, hit us up, man. This is the winner of the book. Of course. So we have the squig herd here. Its move is D6 plus five inches. Six up save, bravery three, two wounds apiece. The melee weapons are fangfilled gob and squig prodder. So for the fangfilled gob, we have a one inch range, three attacks, fours by threes, ren minus one, damage one. And the squig prodder has a one inch range, two attacks, fives by fives, no rend, damage one. The abilities are hurting squig, so this unit cannot receive commands. However, at the start of your hero phase, you can roll one dice for each squig herder in this unit. For each two up, you can return D3 slain cave squigs to this unit. For each one, one squig herder in this unit is slain. And then squigs gone wild. Each time a cave squig in this unit flees, before that model is removed from play, roll a dice. On a two up, you can pick one enemy unit within nine inch of this model. That unit suffers one mortal wound. Let's start out with the fact that you're getting 24 wounds for 120 points. Yep. That is nuts just alone. Then let's talk about all of the ways that you can buff these guys. Yep. It's just nuts. You're just gonna have this little package of destruction go running around the board doing things and yeah good luck trying to kill you know 50 wounds even with a six up save man you're gonna have to work at that and oh i only spent 240 points to put 50 wounds out there like holy crap <laughs> that's just oh scary mm -hmm. and for a four up you get a half size unit back ready to do the same thing over Hello. again yep. <laughs> oh man oops yeah <laughs> Crazy cool. Now we have more squigs. Yeah, we do have more squigs. Not to be lost in this. No, the no. Other squigs are good. Yeah. The squig herd having the moon clan keyword is nice, but squig hoppers and boingrop bounders having the moon clan keyword is even better. Yep. Because it means that they're going to benefit from a four up rally from mm. under the bad moon. Mm -hmm. They have the squig keyword, so they benefit from run and charge under the bad moon as well. Mm -hmm. Squig hoppers, movement D6 plus 10 inches, six up save, bravery four, two wounds. The riders have their slittas, one inch range, one attack, fours by fours, no rend damage, one. The gob, one inch range, three attacks, fours by threes, minus one, one damage. They can fly, the champion gets plus one attack to his, his stabbing weapon, and they have the rule, boing, boing, boing. <laughs> After this unit has made a normal move, run, or retreat, pick one enemy unit and roll a dice for each model in this unit that is passed across. For each four up, that unit suffers one mortal wound. It's effectively what they did before. Mm -hmm. The winners, though are the Boingrop Bounders. Squig Hoppers are 180 points for those 10 models. The Boingrop Bounders, while they come in units of five. five are 140. They're gonna mess some stuff up, Dan. You wanna tell us how bad these <laughs> Yeah, these I saw guys... that and I'm reading going, whoa, these, uh, very, mm -hmm. very You cool. can make them battle lines, so you can take them in units of 15. Yep, and they have a move of seven plus D6, so reliably an eight inch move. Minimum eight, yep. yeah. Two wounds, four up save. Wow, four up save. Yep, four they got armor. Grots, but I mean, still, that's awesome. Yeah, they got armored squigs. Five mm -hmm. bravery, and then they have the Pokin Lance, two inch range, two attacks, four by threes, minus one, one, and then the Gob is one inch range, three attacks, four by three is minus one, one. The champion gets one to the attacks. Boing smash. After this unit makes a charge move, pick one enemy unit within one inch of this unit and roll a die for each model in this unit. <laughs> that could be a lot. On a four up, the enemy unit suffers one mortal wound. So on average, if you have a unit of 15, that's seven or eight mortals. Yep. Mm -hmm. Poo. Ba-ching. Like impact hit 
plus. That's just crazy. And then Lances of the Bounders. If this unit made a charge move in the same turn, add one to the damage characteristic of this unit's Pokémon Lances and improve the rend by one. So those Lances are going to be rend two, damage two. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's going to be 30 attacks with those suckers when you charge. Mm -hmm. yep. Rend two, damage two. Oh, yeah. Ouch, man. For 140 points, sign me up. There's a couple of synergies, right, that having the dual keyword of Moon Clan and Squig really help you out with. The first of which is the, the Loon Boss mm -hmm. on foot, all out attack giving you plus one to hit, and then also sixes to wound being mortal wounds. Mm. Light of the Bad Moon gives you the, right, as we talked about, the run and charge for being Squigs, mm -hmm. for up rallying from being Moon Clan. The Squig Boss, you're also fair game to be either getting plus three to move, sixes on mortals, or plus one attack for your mount, right? If you're in Jaws of Mork, you're getting another plus one to the attack. The Squigs themselves would be five attacks, fours and threes, rend one, damage one. If you use that, your lances, two attacks, fours and threes, rend one, damage one. You can be in a position where you're threes and threes very reliably, where you're sitting on seven attacks a model, and sixes to wound or mortals. That's just nuts. It's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Seven attacks, that's what? You also have Bite de Moon for plus one to wound for being squigs. So now all of a sudden, you're seven attacks a model, and that's not if you sneaky snuffler them, right? I, we're talking about investing like <laughs> a thousand points into this trick all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> but suddenly you're potentially up to nine attacks a model, threes mm -hmm. and twos, five up ward, right? Like. <laughs> Hilarious. The, I love it. <laughs> the, the ceiling on crazy is unlimited yeah. all of a sudden. Right? Which it like, should be with Gits. You know, we're but, trying to get fanatic. I mean, the only solution to this is to hit them first. That's the only solution. Speaking of fanatics, right? They have the right keyword for Puff Shroom Frenzy yep. to add one of the attacks characteristic if they're holy with a nine. Ten? <laughs> No, no, no. 11, 11. attacks a model. Oh, oh, that's so much worse. Yeah, right? Oh, 11 God. attacks a model. 116 models in the unit, right? Getting it all lined up to be able to do this is borderline impossible. But when it However, works, it's going to be crazy. Have you ever wanted to charge God? Like Kragnos, <laughs> nah, nah, nah. It's like, we don't care about no Kragnos. guy, never heard of him. <laughs> He's gone. So the non-Loon Boss Mangler Squig is pretty straightforward. It's the same. The difference is, is you lose Moon Cutta and you lose Bite the Moon, but otherwise it's exactly it's the same. same. It's yep. just not a hero. It's just yeah. a monster. And it's a really good monster. It's a very good monster. Mangler Squigs are always fun. For Mangler sure. Squigs are always fun. Mm -hmm. All right. We got three troll units. Dankhold Trogoth. Who wants that one? I know which one I want, and it's not that Okay, I'll so. take the Dankhold Trogoth. Oh, okay. I'll just keep talking. All right. Six inch move, Forp save, bravery six, ten wounds. Not a monster, but that's okay. Yeah. His weapon, two inch range, four attacks, threes by twos, ren two, damage D3 plus three. This is basically the profile of the battle cattle that Lumineth has. And yeah. Dan, you've seen what I did oh. with the battle cattle. Ouch. The difference is the Dankhold Trogoth is 180 not, points. Yeah, is 180 points for the same offensive output, yeah. which is silly. D3 regen, so you get that in both hero phases now. If you play Mega Mob, you get that after you fight as well. So again, making it tough to kill. Magical Resistance is a 4-up ignore for spells and endless spells. 
pretty cool. It's got squiggly beast followers. At the start of the combat phase, roll one dice for each enemy unit within three. If any roll is equal to or greater than the number of models in that enemy unit, that enemy unit suffers one mortal wound. Hmm. And then crushing grip. At the end of the combat yeah. phase, pick one enemy model within one inch. If the roll is equal to or greater than the model's wound characteristic, it is slain. You know, Nick, this is something we were talking about the other night, right? This is something that has the opportunity to reach into a unit, pick that model out, and kill it. Yep. 180 points. Oh, yeah, sure. Sign me up. Sprinkle this one in with your Trogoth army, you know? Yeah. A couple of these. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to jump on the Fellwaters. God, they're so good. Oh, man. (laughs) River Trolls, man. Six inch move, five bravery, four wounds, four up save. The Noxious Vomit, which is the key here, is six inch range. This is one of the silliest rules I've seen in a long time. (laughs) And we wouldn't even be talking about how silly it is if it wasn't for the squig part of this book. Oh, yeah. If any wounds caused by this unit's Noxious Vomit, and it's got each uh, model has one attack, two by threes, minus two D3 damage. So it's pretty good chance that that can get through if it's a unit. If any wounds caused by this unit's noxious vomit are allocated to an enemy unit not negated, that enemy unit is drenched in vomit until the start of your next hero phase. While a unit is drenched in vomit, subtract one from save rolls for attacks that target that unit and ignore positive modifiers to save rolls for attacks that target that unit. A unit cannot be drenched more than once at the same time. Man, not only did you debuff me, I can't buff myself. Yep. That's just... Okay, unleash hell. What perfect example there. Somebody charges you, could choose. Now they charge you and So boom. it doesn't even matter if right. you finest houred and mystic shielded yourself. Yes. They don't apply anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's insane. So yeah, cool. You've got that hero all jacked up. Man, that sounds awesome. Sure, it'd be a shame if something happened to you. Yeah. You better hope you kill these guys coming in because that hit back is going to be brutal. Mm-hmm. Man. And their spike club is two inch range, four attacks, three by threes, minus one, two damage, and we can buff that. There's mm-hmm. ways to buff those things. So coming back, they're going to be really, really hard hitting. Two inch range means you can fight in two ranks. You know, they're on 50s. This is good. They're 160 points for three. Yeah. And then the terrible stench rule, Dan. Oh, yeah. Minus one to hit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, while they're within three inches of any friendly units with this ability. Yep. Yeah, you got to try and kill them and avoid the crackback, but you can't? You got to kill them first. Yeah. Um, You got to hit them first. Yeah. Yeah. And then they also have the regeneration. Right. Yep. Which is at the start of the hero phase, you can heal up the D3 and under the moon... You're plus one to save under the moon. Right. If you're in the if you're in the mega mob, you know, you're healing after you fight. Twice per battle round, yeah. Right. Yeah, so you're healing in your hero phase, you're healing in the combat phase if you fight, mm-hmm. you know, both ways through. Yeah. Plus one to save. If squigs weren't in this book, we'd be talking about how crazy Trolls trogs are, are right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is wild. It is crazy. So Brennan, how about the blue guys? So here we got the Rockut Tragos. They have a six inch move, a four up save, bravery five, wounds four. They have a missile weapon and a melee weapon. So their missile weapon is throwing boulders, range nine inch, one attack, and then a hit wound rend damage on a C below, which is the throwing (laughs) boulders command. So this is, do not use the attack sequence for an attack made with throwing boulders. Instead, pick one enemy unit within range and roll a dice. Add one to the roll if the target has five or more models. On a four up, that enemy unit suffers one mortal wound. Eh, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Their melee weapon is the massive stone maul. Range two inches, two attacks, three by threes, rend minus two, damage three. Pretty good attack profile there. 
And then their abilities are regeneration. At the start of the hero phase, you can heal up to D3 wounds allocated to this unit. And then they also have stony skin, so this unit has a ward of a 5-up. 4-up save, 5-up ward, healing. It's going to be pretty hard to take them down. Yep. Yep. The real downside to trolls are is that none of the units They're are ugly. able to issue ugly. <laughs> commands to themselves. So they do need a hero nearby babysitting them no yeah. matter what. You can't send them out on their own you know, and get all-out attack or all-out defense or anything like that. You do need heroes nearby to support that. Luckily, you've got a lot of cheap ones, so you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not too big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your battle line, if you've got a dank hold trog boss as your general, you know, but you double reinforce them you know, so you could have a unit of nine river trolls, <laughs> which is good. So next up are the spiders. Yeah. Spider, Spider riders, which are stuff. better than all snarl fangs. 10-inch move, 5-up save, 4 yes. bravery, 2 wounds, 5 of them for 90 points. Uh. They all have spider bows. 16-inch range, 2 attacks, 4s by 5s, no run damage 1. Spears, 2-inch range, 1 attack, 5s by 4s, no run damage 1. The fangs from the spiders, 1-inch range, 2 attacks, 4s by 4s, no run damage 1. Champion gets plus 1 to his spear. Stand bear is plus 1 to bravery. Musician is adding 1 to run rolls. Spider Venom, sixes to hit on the fangs or a mortal wound. And then Wall Crawler, same as the other big spiders. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we talked about some of the synergy, you can get these up to three mortal wounds per six, mm. which is pretty good. Which is good. Are you going to have ten attacks, so you got a really good chance of getting one or two sixes. Just so. flood the board with yep. spiders just everywhere. Keep the general nearby, or have the artifact nearby. Get your spider cast and spell out, and make your opponent drown in dice. Mm-hmm. Or just take squigs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, oh, there is that. Spider with war party. The Arachnarok spider with a spider fang war party has 10-inch moves, 16 wounds, 4-up saves, 6 bravery. Spider bows, you get 10 attacks at 16 inches, 4x5s, no rend, 1 damage. The chitinous legs, 2-inch range, 8 attacks, 4x3s, minus 1, 1. Monstrous fangs, 4 attacks, 1-inch range, hitting on 2s, wounding on 3s, minus 1, 3 damage. Crooked spears, 10 more attacks at 1-inch range, 5x4s, minus 1, 1. And we have the unit counts as 10 models for the purpose of contesting objectives. Pretty sweet. Spider Venom, same as always. This one counts as three mortals for any sixes. And then Wall Crawler, same thing. There you go. Snake, why don't you nice, do the nice, ambushing nice. Arachnorox? Since you've used that in actual games. Pre, it's new, very difficult to come touch me rules. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so this one's the Skitter Strand Arachnorox. It has a 10-inch move, a 4-up save, a bravery of 6, and 14 wounds. It has two melee weapons. The first one is Chitinous Legs. Range 2-inch attacks on... The damage table starting at eight and then decreasing seven six five based on the number of wounds. It's a four by three, a minus one rend, and a damage one. And then next we have the monstrous fangs, range one inch, four attacks to hit on a damage table starting at two up and then going three up, three up, four up, depending on the number of wounds suffered. It's a three up to wound, a rend minus one, and a damage three. Pretty decent attack profile. And then its abilities are Ambush from Beyond. So during deployment, instead of setting up this unit on the battlefield, you can place it to one side and say that it is set up in Ambush as a reserve unit. At the end of your movement phase, you can set up any friendly units that are in Ambush on the battlefield more than 9 inches from all enemy units. In addition, at the end of the combat phase, Mm. you can say that this unit will Ambush again. 
If you do so, remove it from the battlefield. It is set up in ambush as a reserve unit once more. So, Nick, what was your biggest complaint when you were using the Skitter Strand Arachnorak before? That I would essentially put him down, and then he would go squish when people attacked him. Yep. <laughs> so now you don't have to worry about that. No, now it looks like he just disappears again. That's too much. <laughs> it's pretty Man, cool. it's like... Strike and Fade. It's much worse than Strike and Fade. Because when you pull Strike and Fade back, you're bringing it back to a position of strength where you are going to be able to reload that unit to get your bonuses to charge. Oh, true. That's like that. true. Agreed. When Agreed. this pops up from underneath... You can't do anything it, to it still, because it's, it's still coming a nine into the inch charge. Phase, right? It's not a hero. It's not mm -hmm. a totem. It can't issue to itself. It's got to land the nine-inch charge. Yeah. It's a way of protecting it. That's well and good. But if strike, you don't make that charge... You're done. Yeah. yeah. Strike and Fade is much more powerful. Yeah. Okay. I understood. And then the other abilities for the Skitter Strand Arachnorok are Spider Venom. If the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with this unit's monstrous fangs is six, the attack causes three mortal wounds to the target and the attack sequence ends. In parentheses, do not make a wound roll or save roll. And then finally, it has Wall Crawler. Last up in the big spider category is the Arachnorok Spider with Flinger. 10-inch mm -hmm. move, 4-up save, 16 wounds, 6 bravery. It's got the flinger, which the number of attacks is equal to the number of models in the target unit to a maximum of 20. In addition, if any attacks made with the unit's flinger score a hit, after those attacks have been resolved, roll a dice on a 2-up. Target unit is entangled until the start of your next hero phase. While unit is entangled, have its move characteristic. A unit cannot be entangled more than once at the same time. It's pretty good. Three is to hit, three is to wound, no ren, damage one. Spider bows, same as all the other ones. Chitness legs, same. Crooked spears, the same. Monstrous fangs. Spider venom is the same, and the wall crawler is the same. You just have a catapult spider. That can have people's movement. And it's got 36-inch yeah. range, so, yeah. It's got good distance to it. And it's just got to score a hit. Yep, and it's just behemoth. It's not behemoth artillery, so you're not occupying two slots simultaneously. Not that you have other artillery pieces that are competing for <laughs> right. selection, but, you know. And then the Ale Guzzler Gargant. <laughs> it's so silly. Man crushers, but different. Yeah, a little bit. The move is tabled 8 down to 5, 12 wounds, 5 up save, 6 bravery. Has a big club, 5 attacks, 2 inch range, 3 by 3s, minus 1, 2 damage. It has an ed butt, 2 inch range, 1 attack, 4 by 3s, minus 3, and 4 damage. And the mighty kick, 2 inch range, 1 attack, 3 by 3s, minus 2, d3 damage. And the specialist's rule, kind of, is the Drunken Stagger. You can attempt to charge with this unit if it's within 18 of the enemy instead of 12. In addition, roll 3d6 instead of 2d6. Nice. However, if a charge roll for this unit includes three dice that show the same number before modifiers are applied, this unit cannot make a charge move. And in that phase, and the players must roll off, the winner must pick a point on the battlefield three inches from the unit. Each unit within two inches of that point suffers d3 more mortal wounds okay and then it's got stuff them in a bag same rule as usual pick an enemy model within three if the roll is at least double the model's characteristic it's stuffed in the bag and slain and timber is the same as usual with gargants if this model is slain before moving from the battlefield the players must roll off the winner picks the point on the battlefield three inches from the slain model each unit within two of that point that is not a gargant or mega gargant suffers d3 mortals same model is removed from the battle. 
Right. Next up is the Bad Moon Moonshine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to steal this one. Mm-hmm. So you set it up in your territory, more than three inches from all objectives and terrain features. It's impassable. It serves as a light of the Bad Moon for Gloom Spike Gits units that are wholly within 12 inches of the terrain feature. So not only are you starting with the moon in your territory, you can potentially be double mooned up. You know, not that it really does anything. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a moon clan layer. So the big change here is this is no longer dependent on who your general is. Before, based on your general, the type of unit you could bring back was that, but now it's not. At the end of each of your turns, you can pick one friendly Gloomspite gets unit that has been destroyed. The unit cannot be a hero, darn, cannot be unique, fine, and must have a wounds characteristic of five or less, so that means that... Most of them. Almost everything. Mm -hmm. Trogs included, yeah. Trogs included, except for the Dankhold Trog. Right. Mm-hmm. After you pick a unit that has been destroyed, roll a dice, and on a 4-up, a replacement unit with half of the models from that unit that was destroyed rounding up is added to your army. Set up that unit wholly within 12 of a Bad Moon Loon Shrine and more than 3 inches away from all enemy units. Each destroyed unit can only be replaced once, and replacement units cannot themselves be replaced. Replacement Moon Clan Stabas and Moon Clan Shooters can include up to half as many netters as the destroyed unit rounding up. But you really only need one netta these days, right? Yeah, but you might as well take as many as you're allowed. Yeah. There's really no reason not to. If you to. pull handfuls of models, you might want to... Mm-hmm. You know, unless you're really hurting for those bows, then is one extra shooter gonna... Mm-hmm. You know, at, at fives and fours or whatever it was, yeah. or fours yeah. and fives? Mm-hmm. Probably yeah. not. Love the simplification on this. Love that it's no longer general dependent. You have the opportunity to make more flexible tactical decisions and also you're not shoehorned into these kind of like weird mono builds Mm. you can take mixed arms and feel okay about it sure Mm -hmm. i'm thinking you know you have a troll army and a unit of boing rot bounders send them in there get destroyed bring them back send them back oh yeah Yeah. Fire them back out. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, we have four endless spells. You know, the rare choice here of four. So, Nick, which one do you want to start with? I'll start with Mork's Mighty Mushroom. The 100.1. Yep. Yeah. I always really like this course. model, too. So, summoning this endless spell is summoned with a spell that has a casting value of six and a range of 6d6. If successfully <laughs> cast, set up the endless spell wholly within range and visible to the caster and more than one inch from all models, other endless spells, and invocations. Only Gloom Spites gets wizards can attempt to summon this endless spell. It has mutating spores, so at the start of the shooting phase, roll a number of dice for each unit within 8 inch of this endless spell equal to the number of models in that unit that are within 8 inches of this endless spell. For each 5 up, that unit suffers one mortal wound. There you go. Kind of a horde control. Yep, if you're playing other gits, man, just move this thing in there and go... Kaboom. Yep, yep. Every shooting phase, yours and theirs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really scary. Run. Run from my <laughs> mighty mushroom. How about right. you? Pick one, Brendan. This one's a no-brainer to me, the Malevolent Moon. Yep. Now, he's uh, 80 points, so almost yep. as much, but... But it's what so it does is invaluable. Yeah. Casting value of 6, range of 12, uh, holy from the caster, more than 1 inch from all the other stuff. Predatory with a 12-inch move. Has Malevolent Intentions. After this endless spell is moved, roll a dice for each unit within three inches. On a two-up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. Gits units are not affected by this ability. And it has lurid light. While this endless spell is controlled by a model in a Gloomspite Gits army, <laughs> uh, Gloomspite Gits units in the same army affected by the light of the Mad Moon while they're wholly within 12 inches of this endless spell. 
Another giant flashlight, man. A traveling giant, unkillable flashlight. You can unbind it, obviously, but spell it. But another twenty-four inch bubble, man. You got the moon going over here. You got Scragrat over here. You got the moon, you know, doing its own thing. Who's got to worry about moons? Nobody. Nobody. Nick not got to Nick not got to worry anymore. No. <laughs> oh God. Who's got it better than Gitz? Nobody. Now you don't have to worry about whether you have a moon or not. Somewhere you just have to worry. Make sure you know what it does. Because mm-hmm. it's going to do it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Arachnocauldron is mm-hmm. another one and has a casting value of five, range of one inch. This is kind of like a partner yep. spell. You got to follow your guy around. More than one inch from all other models and stuffs. A wizard in the garrison cannot attempt to cast this or summon this spell. If the end of the spell is summoned, the wizard that summoned it cannot join a garrison until after it has been removed from play. It is linked. The spell must remain within one inch of the model that summoned it. For rules purposes, this end of spell and the model that summoned it are treated as a single model that uses the model's war scroll with the addition of the abilities on this war scroll. If the model that summoned this end of the spell is slain, this end of the spell is removed. If the spell is dispelled and the model that summoned it has not been slain, remove it from play. But leave the model that summoned it on the battlefield. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Blessings of the Cauldron. The model that summoned this end of the spell can attempt one extra spell. Cool. While the endless spell is on the battlefield, in addition, if the model that summoned it is a Moon Clan unit in a Gloom Spike Gets army, it knows all of the spells from the lore of the Moon Clans while this endless spell is on the battlefield. Wow. So cool. An extra spell? Yeah, that's so good, man. It's, it's really good. I really like this paired with the Staff of Sneaky Stealing plus that wizard trait. So you could have a three cast wizard who's sitting on plus one up to plus five on their casting attempts. That can cast any spell in the lore. Yep. Hand of Gork with plus four to cast is... <laughs> uh, where do I want to put the unit? Yeah. <laughs> That's crazed. Blood Slitter Pack is the last thing after the Sendless spell has been set up. At the start of each of their hero phases, the commanding player must pick one unit within three inches of this model, summon the end of the spell. That unit suffers one mortal wound that cannot be negated. Okay. All right. If there are no other units within three inches, then the model that summoned this end of the spell must be picked to suffer the mortal wound. Fine. Scragrat's not a bad pick here either, making him a three caster. Yeah. Uh, you already know all the spells, so that's not a, you know... You're not getting that benefit. Yeah. Right. But if you're looking to do extra casting and you've got 50 points lying around and you have Scragrot, it's not a bad choice. Sure. And you have a four up ward against the mortal wound if you don't have a unit you want to kick it off to. So awesome. So the last one, Scuttletide. So this one summons with a casting value of seven. Add one to the casting rolls for the spell if the caster is a spider fang wizard. Successfully cast, set up the endless spell within eight inches of a terrain feature that is visible <laughs> to the caster and more than one inch from all models, other endless spells, and invocations. Only Gloom Spide Gits wizards can attempt to summon this spell. It's predatory, so after the endless spell is summoned, it can move up to eight inches. And then it has Scuttling Horde. After this endless spell has moved, the commanding player can pick one unit within one inches of this endless spell and roll eight dice. For each five up, that unit suffers one mortal wound. In addition, roll eight dice for each unit that finishes a move, run, retreat, or charge move within six inches of this endless spell. For each five up, that unit suffers one mortal wound. Spider Fang units are not affected by this ability. And then it also has Endless Terrors. While this Endless spell is wholly within 12 inches of any Arachnorok units, it can only be dispelled with a dispelling roll of nine up. Wow. Okay. Cool. Not bad. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so those are some decent endless spells. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're spendy, but yeah. you get some good value on you them. You really do. Not yeah. with that one trog boss trait we take, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that one makes it free. <laughs> Pretty that one makes sweet. It very free. <laughs> so, cool, yeah. Let's talk grand strategies, battle tactics, and battalions, then we'll give yeah, our final on. thoughts on, on what these armies look like and how we feel about them. My first thought on this is, as I'm reading these, and I'm sure you will express a, a different opinion if you have it, but I actually like the strats better than I like the tactics in terms of what's achievable, I think, and what's not as situational. We'll go to the first one, and Looney Plans is the strats. Scheme for every occasion. When the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy if you completed at least four battle tactics, and all of the battle tactics you completed were from Nasty Tricks list on page 88. This is the one out of the four that I'm not very comfortable with. I would agree. Yeah, it's going to be, again, it's, they're so situational we go through the tactics. So how about you, Nick? Do you have one you like? or For the tactics? Yeah. Or the strategies. You, the strategies, or you can just go to the next one if you want. I think Chasing the Moon mm-hmm. sounds kind of fun. So when the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy. If the model picked to be your general has not been slain and they have been affected by the light of the bad moon in at least three battle rounds... So if Scragrot's your general, you kind of auto get this one. Yeah, right? as long I mean, as he's alive. This is auto achieved. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying. This one's so pretty easy. good. Brendan, how about you, man? Protect the shrine. When the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy. There's a bad moon loon shrine in your army on the battlefield, and there's no enemy units within 12 inches of it, and it was not affected by smashed rubble monstrous rampage. Well, you're going to be protecting your loon shrine because it is so central to your entire game. Why would you not be able to achieve this? I mean, you would just dump all your recycled units right next to it, if nothing else, to protect it. Fighting through waves and waves of these models again <laughs> yeah. and again and again. Yeah. Like, it's tough to get over there, and it's tough to be there at the end. Like, there's cheeky ways of doing it. Like, you can teleport, you know, land in range and hope that you don't die on some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, as the Gits player, you can prevent people from doing it. But yes, yeah. chasing the moon is... There's one tactic here, too, that as long as you have... As long as you're breathing? As long as you have Scragrot, you can get it. <laughs> it's 160 points. There's no reason not to. The last one is Superior Spellflinger. When the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy. If there are two or more friendly Gloom Spike gets endless spells on the battlefield. If you have enough wizards, I mean, there's no reason you can't do that either. Yeah. Yeah. So I think three out of the four are very achievable in terms of the strats. Yeah. How about tactics here? Wow. Follow the moon. You cannot pick this tactic in the first battle round. That's fine. You complete this tactic if at the end of this turn, every friendly Gloomspike gets unit on the battlefield is affected by the light of the bad moon, and you control more objectives than your opponent. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. It's in the middle and you have more. Easy. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> Done. Glory Grabbers, pick one objective controlled by your opponent. You complete this tactic at the end of this turn if you control that objective on a friendly Gloom Spite skit unit that was added to your army as a replacement unit. Using the Bad Moon Loon Shrine's Moon Clan Lair's ability is contesting it. The friendly unit that was added to your army doesn't have to be added this turn. Oh, wow. You can add it right away. Holy mutt. And then just move it towards an objective and then call it. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Hello. I'll just take that recycled unit of nine trogs that, that's five now yeah. and just move them towards an objective and get, oh. Because I had the same reading that you did the first pass, and I was like, oh, what's the point of this? Yeah. And so I always make sure to do a reading of the book again before the show, yes. uh, either the night yes. before or the day of. And I was reading this again a little more closely, and I went, 
Wait a minute. It doesn't say added to your army this turn. Yeah. That's which, the key. Which is what a lot of the summoned contest ones are. Yes. That's why I read that in there. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So by the way, Nick, you won't be allowed to use any of the book strats or tactics. I'm just telling you that. Whenever Dan <laughs> plays you. <laughs> okay. He's, he's going to lie to you. Because uh, his book strats and tactics aren't anywhere near as good as these. No. Yeah. Nick? For me, I'm liking Stab Him in the Dark. Mm-hmm. So pick one enemy you unit on the battlefield you complete this tactic if that unit was destroyed by an attack made by a friendly gloom spike gets unit during this turn while it was not affected by the light of the bad moon so yeah mangler squid you know got some oh yeah just throw him out there just get put him yeah. give him the business mm-hmm. put him somewhere he's not under the flashlight yeah mm-hmm. so these next two well there's moonlight raid too but there's two of these that are very situational the first one is venomous assault you complete this tactic if at least eight mortal wounds were caused by the spider fang ability of friendly spider fang units during this turn and not negated. Obviously, you have to have spiders to be able to do this one. Yep. If you don't have spiders, fine. You won't be able to get this one. The other situational one is you ain't so big. Pick one enemy monster on the battlefield. You complete this tactic if that monster was slain by an attack made by a friendly trogoth unit during this turn. Again, you got to have trogs. Mm-hmm. And your opponent's got to have a monster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the other killer, too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Got to be on the board. There's one left. And then, yeah, finally, we have the Moonlight Raid. So pick one objective controlled by your opponent. You complete this tactic. If at the end of this turn you control that objective and every friendly gloom spike gets unit that is contesting it is affected by the light of the bad moon. Lots of ways to get affected by the light of the bad moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got two real easy ones in here. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's why I think the scheme for every occasion where you got to get four, I think that's a little tougher, especially because you got the other three. Right. One of them is Chasing auto the moon is right there. Auto achieve. You just pick that one. Just don't even worry about it. Just. Say that, Nick. When you're playing your army, chasing the moon, that's my grand strat. That's just done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, as long as I make it to the end, I'm all good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Um, yeah. So good. And we have one battalion. We do have a battalion. It's a pretty good one. Yeah. And this is unique, guys, because of all the battalions we've talked about in several books in the past, this is one of the very few that actually adds an extra enhancement. Yep. Most of them give one of the other ones, and this is really cool because of that. So you have to have a Dankhold Trog boss and a Dankhold Trogoth. That's it. That's it. Those two things, and you can get an extra enhancement. Pretty neat, man. Means pretty easily you can get three for your army. Mm-hmm. Sweetness. Yeah, I mean, you can do this. You can do this multiple times if you want. Yeah. You can do your Warlord Battalions, right? You know, right, that'll give you your second one, and this will give you sec- your third second, or third, more. More. It's cool. It's a good one to have. Certainly, right, incentivizes the playing of trolls. Oftentimes, we see core battalions in these books, and we go, what is the point of this? Mm-hmm. Right, uh, exactly. Yeah, and this one, relatively, is not that expensive. Nope. I mean, a few hundred points, you're good. Yep. If you're taking them already, then yeah. cool. You're already not going to be a one-drop in many instances when you're running trolls anyways, just mm-hmm. because your trogs don't fit into the sub-commander slot. Mm-hmm. So yep. why not be a million drops anyways? Yeah, and have lots of, have lots of things artifacts and stuffs. <laughs> what do you mean you have five? I'm just saying. Just relax. I got five artifacts. Don't count. <laughs> How did you... Don't ask. Coolio. That's a new book. Nick, we brought you on as the Gloom Spike gets passionate person. You know, we've talked about this here now for an hour and a half, two hours. What do you think? 
absolutely awesome. We got so many buffs. Uh, a lot of the stuff that felt kind of difficult before seems like it got normalized. I like that some of the randomness, while it was fun for the lore, for things like movement, got kind of steadied out. I think that'll make the army a little bit more playable. I like that now it'll be pretty easy to be under Light of the Bad Moon with how, you know, starting on the battlefield and then moving, as well as the Lair, the Endless Spell, and Scragrod if you bring him. That was a bit tricky sometimes to get things to work when the moon wasn't moving in the right way. So mm. I think that'll help out. And then, yeah, I just, I really like how Scragrot was buffed up. You know, he's supposed to be the best Grot there is. And I felt he was a little weak before, but now he's got some good tricks, some fun so stuff. Cool. I'm really excited with this book. For sure. Definitely going to tune up the army and get the gets going for sure. What about you, Dan? I really like what they've done. I talked about before that if I was going to do anything in this book, it would be a Trog army. And now I really feel like it would be worth doing and it would be something that would be competitive on the table and still be a cool army. Mm -hmm. Because before it was just kind of a cool army, you know, and it did okay. But now you can have a really cool army and do well. Yeah. Uh, and the thing that's nice about it is, as you said, Brendan, earlier, it doesn't just have to be, you know, one-dimensional. You could have a Trog army and still take a Loon Boss and a Manglishquig and still take Scragrot. You could take those things that add little elements that you don't have otherwise, and, and you could take some of the little duders that cost nothing to, you know, follow along, as you talked about, you know, having to kind of herd your trogs but they're also going to buff your trogs at the same time and it just is wacky what you can do with this mm -hmm. i'm very happy about it as i said at the beginning little bit disappointed in the spiders i was hoping that they would do something significant to the spider riders to make them really more worthwhile to take, 90 points that well, makes them they're okay that makes them yeah. interesting right that, but they're a great screen how about yeah, that that's a good call yeah they are a good screen otherwise the, that's my thoughts on it loving okay. a book you know talked about it at the top this is a significant improvement from a competitive lean the first event that they were legal at two of the events globally had gets win which you know was good mm -hmm. one of the things that unlike the beast book that we talked about where the points kind of add up and you, know, you can't take everything mm. This book, it feels like the points are in a place where you can take everything, yeah. where you get to take all the stuff that you want. And that's very frustrating from, you know, in my mind, a, a competitive sense of, I feel like you should have to make choices. You are going to have to make choices, but in my mind, they are not hard decisions. They're just, I wanted to do this. And the loss of that decision is basically zero. You can play mixed arms and feel really good. I love that. You're rewarded for going mono builds, right? In terms mm -hmm. of particularly squigs and trolls, less so spiders, but particularly squigs and trolls. That's really cool to me. It'll be really interesting to see where it shakes out after the the next battle scroll because i think that'll maybe be a better gauge of what this book is mm -hmm. it and may take some of those choices you talked about away yeah if you have yeah. to start making decisions yeah. on the way that things work great love that here for it it'll be interesting to see what people develop as a counter response to gets because right now i've watched a couple of battle reports what the squigs do and it just feels like an avalanche a squigalanche a squigalanche hey, yes. hey, yeah yeah <laughs> There's so many situations where it feels like you can't do anything about uh -huh. it. And, oh my god, you know, we talked about a 400-wound list last night, and mm -hmm. you can't do anything about that. No. Like, no. Who can do 400 wounds worth of damage in a full game? No. Mm -hmm. Not happening. 
Yeah, yeah. you need some crazy AOE like damage and some stuff to go your direction, but oh, that one's a tall order on a lot of fronts. It's a major improvement. That's awesome. Happy for the Gits players. They're going to get some shine. Get your daylight now, right? Because in a little bit, mm-hmm. we're going to get... Your moonlight. Your moonlight. Get your moonlight now. <laughs> okay. And, nice, and you're going nice. to you're gonna get brought back a little bit towards reality, I, I think, sooner than later. We'll see where that shakedown <laughs> is. So he's going to yank the chain. Um, yeah, for sure. I don't mind things being good. I really don't. And in my mind, everything deserves to be good. Mm-hmm. Enjoy your moment of great. Yeah, always. Yeah. Yep. Because before things adjust, yeah. Yeah. Nice. And now it's a three-month cycle. Go find all your local tournaments and make people cry. (laughs) Win your trophies and awards and then put them on the shelf and smile. Yeah, Yeah, Mm -hmm. right? And then move on. Well, thanks, guys. This is great. And, Nick, we're so glad you could join us for this, man. It really was cool. Yeah, it's always a great time. Had a blast. uh, We'll then just move on. Scriptorium and this or that. Scriptorium time. New releases. So the actual Siege Book 8 (laughs) is here. It is called The End and the Death, and it is a two-volume. 18 uh, hours on Audible for Volume 1. Volume 1. So you can play it on 35, 40 hours probably between the two books when that next one comes out. This one is by Dan Abnett. It'll be interesting to see who does Volume 2. My guess is going to be John French since he started the series, but we'll see. Just taking a guess here. The last two volumes of Siege, so we're going to find out what happens. I've already heard from a couple of people who've listened to quite a bit of it. It just came out, but they put some hours in. They did last night, like overnighter kind of thing. And a couple of my very favorite characters from way back in the heresy now are in this a little more prominently, which is fun. Very nice surprises. The Iron Kingdom is a 40K book that's come out, and it is basically about... Uh, Gilliman's crusade that comes to a planet of night houses and you know they want to use it kind of as a staging point for the crusade and the resupply zone and all that and the residents aren't so keen on that some are some aren't and then the chaos forces get in there and they start kind of dividing the loyalists and that kind of a story so it sounds fun if you're into knights sounds like it'll be pretty good this is the fifth book i think of dawn of fire so it's the primaris era indomitus era book series the next book nick is one i think you're going to enjoy it's bad loon rising and it is about a little um git who wants to become d loon boss he wants to be d guy and he has a trog as a buddy his traveling companion so it sounds like it's going to be hilarious sounds pretty cool yeah i mean just the story itself sounds fun so i think i will listen to it even though i'm not a big gits fan in terms of story it just sounds like it's going to be stupid and fun and he's going to have to do all kinds of stupid and fun things to rise up the whatever so anyway good stuff and then we have black library celebration week where we just have a collection of different stories from different things you know you have 40k you have sigmar you have necromunda whatever else so interesting if you're into such things and then the angron book has just a reminder has come out so angron the red angel post heresy 41st millennium angron who is a demon primarch now and has a beautiful model has a book so i have we'll talk about that later on that's it for new stuff nick anything you've been reading listening to watching for watching i've been grinding through one piece 
Okay. It's a long show. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I think it's 1,080 episodes. Oh, come on. That's yeah. nuts, man. <laughs> started. Jeez. How many years is it going to take you? To- well, I, I don't know. We'll see. I started in June of last year, <laughs> and I'm at like episode like 800 now. Oh, my. Slowly moving through. There's a lot going on, though. Wow. <laughs> Pretty good show, though. Yeah, that's great. It must be if you've watched 800 freaking episodes. I just man. Once I start something, I have to... Oh yeah, see it through yeah, that. Brendan's like that too. He, he <laughs> grinds it out, no matter what he thought. He was like, "Yeah, yeah, that's cool." All right, Brendan, how about you? Formula One: Drive to Survive season five came out on Friday. Yes. I'm four episodes into the season. So this is the first season of Formula One that I watched, and then you know this is like they release it just before the next season starts. Racing starts Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of release it in time as like a recap of what happened the year before. And, you know, they hope to have it be a lead-in for other people to, mm. you know, to start watching. So this is the first actual racing season I saw that is now being recapped and Drive to Survive. And it's been very interesting to see what storylines they've latched onto. I don't want to say misrepresented, but they have certainly dramatized some of the goings-ons where to make it more watchable, right? That's cool. You know, that's interesting. I downloaded The End of the Death Volume 1 while mm-hmm. I was shoveling yesterday. Yes. Again, got started on that. But Great. yeah, Formula 1 racing starts again in a couple of days and, you know, very excited. Three days of testing was this weekend, so it's interesting to see the updates of who's going fast oh, yeah, sure. and, and that kind of stuff. And uh, I'm not a Ferrari fan, but... Man, that car looks really fast. Cool. That's so neat. Now, I had a question about your Formula One interest. Sure. Have you ever thought about like a bucket list Formula One race that you would like to go to at some point? That'd be a great this or that question, yeah. Okay, well, I'm just going to ask it now and then... Like, I don't have the long history of the sport. Yeah. But, like, I've played the racing game, so I've yeah. played a bunch of the tracks, and there's a lot of tracks that seem, like, really cool. And what I know is that there are historically some tracks that have, you know, some really cool things associated with them. I would like to go to the track in Spa in Belgium. Oh, yeah. I yeah. think it's just a really unique, really cool track. I think the elevation changes that are involved in it, certainly having played the game, right, the, yeah. is one of the more compelling parts and the difficult components of it. Mm. And uh, yeah, so so spa in Belgium. Yeah, that that's one. As it comes up every, every time I've come through, I'm like, okay, this is gonna be a fun one. Okay, Julio. So for me, I finished Powers and Thrones, my medieval history kind of updated Middle Ages history book. At the same time, I listened through like 18 hours of the Plantagenets. That's all about the English rulers post Norman up until the War of the Roses time. I loved both. I loved the book. I loved the audio. I am kind of burnt out on the Middle Ages now. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of done. But it was incredibly informative and really interesting how the more things change, the more they stay the same because there are all these themes in that time period that you're just like, well, nothing's changed in a thousand years. It's like, it's the same stuff. Yep. You know, There's a little mankind's just dealing yeah, with the same things. And it's just really fascinating. But it's also fascinating to understand the origin of things the way they are now as well things where they came from because you just don't think about so very good and of course i'm waiting for my dead tree version of the end and the death the first volume i don't know when that's going to come out it could be that book has got to be so enormous oh yeah like saturnine is huge yeah oh yeah it's monstrous 
I just wonder how long it's going to be. It wasn't that long that I remember that the hard copy came out after the audio came out. So I'm hoping like post-Adepticon or something. That would be really nice. I did start listening to the Angron book though, and it's really fascinating. If you're a heresy person, you knew Angron in the Horus Heresy. And the other thing that's interesting about the little bit I've listened to the book so far is a lot of it's about his legion. And I like that. I always like that when a Primarch book is more about, you know, his sons than it is about the character itself. But it sounds like it's going to be really cool. We've almost finished Yellowstone season one. We're almost through it. I think, what are we, on episode eight, Cindy? Something like that. We've really enjoyed it. It's been good. And then I started Picard season three. You know, I've kind of got this thing where if... I'm not sure about a series. I'll watch the first two episodes and then decide. It was kind of like that with Rings of Power. Mm -hmm. It was like that with Picard season one. And I just decided it's something I wasn't going to enjoy, you know, for whatever reason. I watched the two episodes of Picard season three. They just must have a whole different set of writers. It was so different than the first season. And I understand the second season was kind of similar. I'm really enjoying it. I'm enjoying the way they've integrated characters from Next Generation, which is really neat. But it also was very interesting. I've always thought that Riker was an interesting character. I really have liked him, but I never thought he got to really rise to his level of competence, you know. And one of the things the writers have done here is really made him a central part and a very unique and individual character where he's not just subservient to other people. He's kind of risen you know, to become his own man, as it were. And that's kind of neat, too, even after just a couple of episodes. So sure. very much enjoying Picard. That is it for me, and that is it for Scriptorium. We are moving on to this or that. <laughs> Nick Meister, we're going to give you three apiece, and then you get four that you can shoot to either one of us coming back. So, Brendan, what are we going to do, you or I, first? You start. Okay. First two questions are about the book we talked about. Now, when I ask this question, this is Squig's post-adjustment, <laughs> based on whatever uh, it is. A hypothetical yeah. future adjustment. Right. Okay. So would you take a Trog's list or a Squig's list if you had those two choices? I think right now I'm leaning towards Squig's list. I've played Squig's before. They're fun, you know, super bouncy, super springy. Uh, a lot yeah. of you know damage potential now, so I think I would stick with that one. But I mean, the trogs look good too. I don't know. I'm kind of split between them. Okay, it all looks good. Yeah. All right, but leaning towards squigs for okay. sure. Okay. Now this next one is between a single model or two models, and the point difference between the two is like 30 points. Would you rather take for about 400 points plus or minus two skitter strands that can strike and fade, or would you rather take a loom boss on a mangler squig in terms of gameplay? I'd have to see how the strike and pop back with the new skitter scan strand works, but I think I'm still probably leaning towards Magler Squigs just because okay. they're so much fun and yeah. hilarious every time. And they also, with their new table, how it works instead of being parabolic with the just down and then up at the end, I like how they reworked that. I think mm -hmm. that's going to normalize it a little bit more because before someone could just get you to the mid-profile and just and, leave you alone. Yeah, and not attack you, and you're kind of like, oh, all right, well, this dude. Yeah, you, you can't much. get anybody. Yeah. You're, you're just stuck there. Can't so. heal him up. But yeah, mango squig. All right. For like a snack, would you rather have a salad, you know, with different kinds of lettuce and whatever else, or would you rather eat just raw vegetables? Can the vegetables be cooked? 
Do it raw vegetables. Raw vegetables or uh, a salad, which is raw vegetables too. But I'm going with salad for sure. Okay. I like right. salad. Ranches, an absolutely delicious dressing. So <laughs> if it's a salad with no dressing, then no, I think no, I'm changing no, my mind because no. that's just you're just a pure monster. Because the, <laughs> I mean, the raw veggies you can dip it in ranch if you want. You oh, know, good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah true, true. But I think All I'm right. going with the salad for Earlier. sure. All right, those are my three. So Nick. What's the next piece of silverware you'd like to incorporate into your Gits Army? I'm thinking probably like a butcher cleaver because I have little knives and I have a spatula and a whisk. So, yes. So maybe a butcher so cleaver. I got an idea for you. Okay. Take the Mega Gargant Mercenary that you can play in Gits Armies and you give him the butcher cleaver. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. Maybe we could take two. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What's the next army project you'd like to work on if you could? I have some flesh eater courts that mm. I've sort of built up and started converting, but never really got to painting, aside from I actually think I did a pretty good conversion on. I remember the one that you did, yeah. Yeah, the zombie that dragon. You had them. That one's pretty cool. I think that is what I would do, but given this new book, I kind of want to collect all the rest of the Gits models, honestly. You know, I don't really have any trolls right now, but I think given all the mushrooms and things like that, those would be really fun to convert. You know, lots of crazy uh, colors, yeah. lots of bright, fun oh, stuff. Oh, you could do crazy stuff, well, yeah. Yes. Yeah, and then I could give them, the trolls, some kind of, you know, crazy kitchen implement as well. Of course. You know? <laughs> Gotta. <laughs> like a rolling pin. Like to hit people with rolling, rolling yeah. pins. Yeah. <laughs> the river trolls, you can give them like little chef hats holding pots. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That they vomit into. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, That's God. a good idea for sure. Yeah. Last question for you, Nick. So, for the listeners, Nick really likes skateboarding. If you had to invent a trick that was the McKenna, what would that trick look like? I'd say it's like. Uh, Nolly, no comply, shove, big spin. I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> so I ride regular, which means I'm riding left foot forward. I step off with my back foot, step on the front to shove the board. So spin it 180 once. Mm. I would spin it 360 and then also body variable backside 180. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm about halfway, maybe 30% of the way there. Wow. Not the beginning part, so. Gotta start somewhere. Yeah. Wow. But I'm also trying to get the backside heel flip this year. If you say so. That sounds <laughs> wicked cool. <laughs> All right, so Nick, you get four questions you can ask in whatever combination to Dan and I. Okay. So the first one is, Brennan, what do you think the correct amount of snow to get every year is? Mm. And <laughs> do you think we'll get any more this year? I think the correct amount of snow to get is 24 inches of snow okay. cumulative <laughs> sounds so over random. the year i'd want like a solid four to six inches of snow around christmas and the rest of it roughly evenly distributed out over the year mm -hmm. so that you're never really working with more than one to three at any given snowstorm man has clearly thought about <laughs> yeah, that snow course. before <laughs> i lay up at night you know thinking why <laughs> i hope that we're done because Morally, February is the last month where it's acceptable to have snow. Mm -hmm. um, anything after that should be illegal. <laughs> and I don't know who you'd hold to account, but I think someone needs to pay for these crimes. Yep. <laughs> That's good. Cool. 
And then my next question for you, Brendan, it seems like the PS5 supply chain issues are starting to normalize. Oh, thank God. So I really want one. Do you think you're going to get a PS5? Yes. Yeah? Okay. When, I don't know, but where right now the Switch is me engaging in nostalgia with, you know, like Pokemon mm. and Fire Emblem and things like that. I really just want the PS5 to play Ratchet and Clank. Mm, yep. oh, uh, oh, gosh, yes. I love that game. I have a spending uh, problem, uh, but I play Warhammer, so it's totally normal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my next question is for Dan. Rocketry and reusable rocketry Boy, has, this a direction. Yeah, has come a long way in the mm. past couple of years. Oh. Cost per launch is going down, things like that. Oh. So my question to you is, should we, instead of using landfills for our garbage, start thinking about loading them onto rockets and shooting them in space? Okay, so I'm going to kind of answer your question. Oh, I have a friend who has a very strong opinion on this. Yeah. I can't wait to hear this. So I don't think that rockets should be used for landfill, but I have actually talked to my science students about another use for this, and it is the disposal of nuclear waste. Yeah. And I thought, you know, there is the risk always, you know, of something going wrong on the way up in the nuclear waste because we're, but I just think it would be such a great way to use rocketry and it would be so simple because you just aim the rocket at the sun and let it go. And when it gets close, literally the nuclear waste will just disappear. You know this, uh -huh, mm -hmm. you know, I just thought what an ideal way to dispose of nuclear waste. Mm -hmm. That would be so cool. So that would be my use for it. I think that'd be so cool. Super and, garbage. And it, it would solve one of the issues that people have, the, probably the main issue with nuclear, nuclear power. power. Yeah. yeah, is what do you do and with the stuff? I am definitely a proponent of nuclear energy. Oh, yeah. I, yeah that's what your degree is in. So, yeah. you know. No, I am too, though. It's the ideal solution. But Cool. And then my final question, just a pretty simple one. Any fun va vacation plans for the summer? You going anywhere good or got any... Any I, good things on the radar? Only thing that we have talked about so far is we were thinking of doing a Mother Road road trip down Route 66 mm. is known as the Mother Road. And we had talked about maybe going partway, like to Tulsa or somewhere else. And we just got a book on it. Just do the whole and, thing. Oh, man. It's a car. Three, four weeks. Do the whole trip. Drop off the car at, you know, wherever the end point is and just fly back. Yeah. Yeah. It's L.A. It's on the, yeah. the pier down there in L.A. Yeah. There you go. Um, but it was just fascinating. When I was looking through this book, it's like super detailed. And like all the little towns and stuff that you go through. You're just like, wow. Like that's how people got to the West Coast, you know, years ago. Mm -hmm. And you're going, how did people ever make it there? Because... There's just so many little dips and whatever else is, and that's the one thing we've talked about doing. All right, I think that's it, gents. Yeah, Let's move close. on to show close. We got some interesting news. There is something going on around here, something you may not even know about. All right, let's talk about Q&A first, Brendan. Do you have anything this time? I do not this week. And I do not, so that makes that very simple. Fair enough. All right, but we have a pretty significant Sunday announcement. So we were originally planning on doing something else. Caradron Overlords goes up for pre-order on the 4th, and so the next time we were planning on recording was the 12th, which means that we would have one whole day to look at that book. <laughs> oh, and we're going to be at a tournament that day. Mm. So it means we have one whole night to look at that book. Yeah. Well, disclaimer, <laughs> yeah. we have had very little time. We're looking at this book raw, but we're going to make it fun for you anyway. Yeah, so the next episode is KO. I saw the rumors for it. If the rumors are true, it's going to be a very different book. In a good way or a bad way? I don't know. Yeah. We'll find out. Mm -hmm. I don't As, know how all the pieces fit together, so yeah. all I can tell is it's different. <laughs> 
Coolio. That will do it for episode 117 will be KO, whatever that is. And we will find out as we get closer, but we're hoping to record on the 12th and we'll have that episode out to you so you can listen to it on the way to Adepticon if you're going there or any other time you'd like. Again, up to you. Yeah, up to you. (laughs) You can only listen to it as you drive to Adepticon. Or else. (laughs) All you other people. No, no. I've developed a very specific kind of paywall. God. Moving on, Nick, thanks so much again, man. It was wonderful to see you. I hope we can at the very least grudge again sometime in the near future. For sure. Which we maybe even get to a couple other tournaments and things. We talked about some stuff last night, maybe. Yeah, and uh, thanks again for having me on. This is always a blast, and you know, I just really like talking through this stuff with you guys. It's a great time. Great. And Brendan, thank you as always, my friend. You're welcome. Great to have you here. Listeners, thank you as always. And thanks for all your input. We've gotten some really good feedback from some people about some different things with the show and really, really appreciate that because we're just two guys sitting at a dining room table and it's nice to know people enjoy what we do. Always a good feeling. So other than that, everybody take care, stay safe, and don't forget shenanigans because life is better when you're up to something. Bye. This is the end.